The following hoot nanny will be explicit. Oh, we had this good idea. Well, it seemed good at the time. Now half our party's dead, and that sure ain't a good sign. So now we're back to character, Jen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Oh, we had this good idea. You're listening well, to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, now pursuing the RPG dead. hobby with Reckless Amanda and Beer. So now we're back to character, Jen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Thank you for joining us for Season 15, Episode 7 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Tim. This is Stork. This is Jeb. Yeah, it's the old sausage fest. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Pants are optional? No. So no, 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 no. Pants are <laughs> not optional. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. For those of you listening at home that want to get comfortable with your junk, now, that, go ahead and do so now. Rock yourself. <laughs> Have a good time. Get down with your pants. This is how you wrote a song, isn't it? <laughs> I wear no pants was written because well, you yes. weren't actually wearing pants at the time. That is correct. Really? Let's supposed to talk about that. Oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, and I got to go into Hootsuite and do the Hootsuite thing. Run late again. Uh, sorry for those of you listening who have been sitting there for 27 minutes waiting for the show to start. And by the way, if you'd like to listen to the show live, you can do so. Um, I try to put the... the uh, schedule on the forum and it's also under happyjacks.org slash live i think at least some of the dates are there um but we're doing the show on saturday mornings now that's going to switch over shortly i think to uh, uh, friday evenings and it's going to stay that way except for the game convention we'll be on saturday night at 8 p.m for the game convention that is uh the saturday that's probably the fifth i'm guessing of september um at gateway at the Hilton, the beautiful Hilton. Paris Hilton Hotel. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be there. We're not. We're not going to be in the basement. No, no I know. That's we're right. On the second floor. Yeah, they've moved us. Moved we're us up to the on room. up. Yeah, to, to the, the east side. <laughs> that's where all the LARPers and the uh, uh, something else were. They all the all those registrations. Yeah, and uh, it's also where Pathfinder Society yes, is. Yes, that's the one I was. And about. is it Adventurers Guild? Is that we're we're separate. We'll be separated from. <laughs> Uh, Pathfinder Society and the Adventurers Guild, because we're going to be on the other side of the mezzanine. You got uh, it. Yeah, because they want to keep the people that are having a good time separated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I freely admit that organized play is not my thing, but I know people who do it and they have fun with it. So, <laughs> all right, I I, I agree with you. There are people who enjoy it. It's kind of like being nudist or something. You know, it's like I know. People get into that, but ew. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and there's my dog. Uh, so, uh, yeah, come and, like come and join us at the con. Oh, and if you'd like to listen live, go to happyjacks.org slash live. And it's either on Saturday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Pacific time or at 8 p.m. Uh, Friday nights Pacific time. And we also have a chat room if you want to, if you listen in uh, Google Plus or Google Hangouts. Or watch the show there. You can also go to our chat room. That's happyjacks.org slash chat. That's just the chat room. The chat room is also available at slash live, as well as the little YouTube window. I did that myself. Um, Fancy. Well played. It works well. It's okay. Uh, the Let me think if there's anything else I need to mention. I think that's it. 
Uh, conven- games running at the convention? Yep, three. What are you running? Uh, I am running a Johnny Quest game on Friday afternoon. Savage Worlds? Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. All oh. my games is Connor and Savage Worlds. Does anybody get to play Bandit? No. Okay, thank God. Uh, the characters, Bandit's the dog? Yeah. Bandit's the dog. <clears throat> the characters are Johnny, Haji, Dr. Uh, Quest, and Race Bannon. Um, then I am running a... Now let me ask you a question. Yeah, uh, you're gonna have is, it, 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 are you gonna discourage the party splitting? No. Okay, because pretty much they always split. They always split. They always split. <laughs> um, and and that's totally fine. I'm good with that. Rock on. Um, okay. Now it's to be clear to everybody, it's Johnny Quest, not Venture Brothers. It is Johnny Quest. Okay. Uh, from the 1964 65. Uh, cartoon i have the soundtrack on my ipod yep i found the whole series on dvd and i've been binge watching they're them. great yep um, the early ones because they rebooted it they're not right, the, the original ones yeah. the original ones alex taught that all the design work for that yes uh and i am reskinning my zombie mall game in savage worlds i'm going to rerun it oh um mm-hmm. and uh then i am doing a game called dark planet which is alien-inspired. Oh, nice. What about you, Stark? Um, Dave and I have a freak <coughs> show idea. Uh, neither of us have done much work. Uh, Dave actually did a sort of little outline. He's been doing some writing and stuff on it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just sort of... I don't know. I need to get off my butt and do something. I was originally planning on running two games, but then I was hit with an amazing case of gamer ADD and could not decide on any game to run and then I was hit with an even bigger case of Gamer on Wii so I've just decided <laughs> that I'm going to go and play this con. You know, Gamer cool. on Wii, that's a good one. I think that's kind of what I'm suffering too. Yeah. I'm like, eh. you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you know, it's good to go to a con and just play. Yeah. yeah totally. you, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you um, can just, yeah. I do that at um, uh, at other cons. That's wh- I go to other cons and typically, and often I just play. Well, I learn I, I learn more from playing in other people's games than I do from running my own. I think it's a re- it's a valuable learning tool to experience either both for what to do and what not to do. Yeah, yeah. go ahead, Stu. I'm sorry, I, ro- I steamrolled you there. No, no, go ahead. I'm trying to fix the freaking oh. camera again. Yeah, I'm uh, I- I'm looking forward to playing, and I'm looking forward to finally taking part in a live podcast. So I can see all the madness first. <laughs> oh, is Tyler uh, coming down so he can uh, get really drunk and funny again? Uh, I don't know. He might. He I might saw. Miss him. I saw on Facebook there are new flavors of Vinique. <laughs> I, I saw that post. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw those at Walmart. <laughs> at Walmart. <laughs> yeah, they had a whole shelf full of Vinique. There's, there's uh, at least three flavors. There was the and they all had the metal floating in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, it's, it's mica. It's well, I know it's inert. I, I'm pretty sure they're not going to give you, you know, platinum poisoning or I'm something. I'm sure it's safe. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. yeah totally. It's how could it not safe. be? How could they put something in, in China? How, how would they put something in there that would hurt you? Like it's uh, melamine. It's fine. It goes right through you. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. You'll love it. Gypsum. We use it to fill out baby formula. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't walk near it with a Geiger counter. That's all. All right. So, and I'm I'm running uh, mundane. Mundane justice, which is uh, n- ordinary normal people 
don costumes and go out to fight crime. I <laughs> totally wish I could play in. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's I'm badass. Gonna run it. Right now, I have a 9 a.m. Saturday. Uh, opposite my... Opposite yours. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sign up a second one probably on Sunday. And I'll, I'm going to... It's very fun to make the characters. The, the What's the system? And it's moment moment truth. truth. Oh, okay. Because I want it to be deadly. Because mm. I want people... But I... But I I'll, it's kind of Mystery Men-esque. Like, one of the characters wears a baseball uniform with a little mask and carries around a baseball bat. Like they call the, him Batman. Like the series <laughs> from uh, Warriors? Warriors! <laughs> and, uh, I, I suppose I should probably register and start signing up for games before they're all sold out, huh? I just came up with another one. Uh, the Flash. The trench-coated Avenger. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Distracts people long enough exactly. so that other people can all, hit him. All you can see is a trench coat, a hat, and socks. Right. And there's one who's... I can't figure out the name for him yet, but it's a guy who's wheelchair-bound, but he's got amazing upper body strength. Uh, oh. And, so okay. and the, okay. the torso? The torso. The torso. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be it. <laughs> that, might be the, that might be the winner. Um, and then there's uh, Pyrotechnica, which is... Uh, uh, who, who uses... Fi she uses fireworks. And she has a backpack that has, like, launch tubes on the back of it, so you can send up a distress beacon <laughs> or a flash one. And she has, like, a, a Piccolo Pete that deafens people. <laughs> and then there's um, Captain Capsaicin, who wields pepper spray. Pepper spray. Pepper spray. And nice. he can either spray you in the face with it, or he's also developed Capsaicin grenades, which is great when he's in, in an enclosed space with people. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Hilarity hopefully will ensue. Uh, I think you can count on that. I hope so. I think I you can so. count on that. And th and there will <laughs> die. I'm gonna I'm gonna make probably like eight or nine characters. I'm only gonna have four people per game, but you can pick who you want. And if and it, the game is deadly, so if you end up getting killed, eh, I'm gonna play another here, play a different guy. Does everybody remember to use your MOTs? I yeah, may have can, to sign up for that people. so I can play. Yeah, and I, and I can I can I can maybe run um, a session on Sunday for people in the podcast who haven't. Want to play it too? Cool. So, uh, so before we get to emails, go. Have you guys been paying attention to the news with Chaosium at all? I have not. I ne heard they got rid of the or the what's his face has been moved. So crank or whatever his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, this comes from the OSR desk. <laughs> the guy who made me, the, the, the guy who who had me, whose actions drove me to pledge never to buy anything <laughs> from them again. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's gone. Right, that's Greg right. Stafford and uh, Sandy. It's either Sandy Peterson or Lynn Willis. I can't remember. I think it's Sandy Peterson. I think you're right. They're back in control of Chaosium. They were the two original dudes who started the company way back in the day. Mm -hmm. They're they're back in charge of it. They've taken it back over. Uh, they're putting all their effort into getting Call of Cthulhu Seventh out. But they have merged in Moon Design, which was one of Greg Stafford's. Uh -huh. Company that had held the the um, trademarks for RuneQuest and Glorantha. Oh, really? So Chaosium <coughs> once again is going to be uh, uh, doing Call of Cthulhu and RuneQuest. It will be their <coughs> game again. Their game so again. Chaosium is like back together and whole again. That makes they sense. They got the band back together. They got the band back together. They certainly did. They licensed it out to Mongoose. Mongoose. Right. Right. And well, that was kept it up after they lost the license, calling it Legend. Yeah, they uncoupled yeah. it about two years ago yeah, yeah. for right. some reason, and now we know why. That well, no, that was when um, a company called Design Mechanism, who authored 
RuneQuest 2 for Mongoose built their own RuneQuest and got the rights to it. It's a convoluted story, and I could sit here and tell the whole thing. There's so many people wanting to make versions of RuneQuest. (laughs) I want to play it. It's a good system. When when Greg Stafford (laughs) left RuneQest, he formed his own company. I read uh, read Legend. Yeah. When when Stafford left Chaosium, he started his own company to hold uh, Glorantha. And what had happened with RuneQuest is Wizards of the Coast actually wound up with that property when they purchased Avalon Hill. Really? Yeah, because Chaosium had (coughs) given it to Avalon Hill for the third edition of RuneQuest because they were having financial problems. Wizards of the Coast bought Avalon Hill. Wizards of the Coast had RuneQuest, which meant it didn't get published for years and years and years and years and years because why would Wizards publish RuneQuest? When they're already doing D and D, right? But then something happened, and Stafford regained the copyright, so he licensed it to Mongoose, mm-hmm. and they did Mongoose RuneQuest, and then RuneQuest Two, and then uh, uh, Stafford took it back from Mongoose and gave it to Design Mechanism, who's now been doing RuneQuest Six, which is a really solid system. Oh, really? And now Stafford's back with Chaosium, so all the people from Moon Design are coming over to run. RuneQuest uh, run Chaosium underneath him, and they're bringing RuneQuest with them. So how exciting! The band's back together. I'll have to see how RuneQuest shapes up. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited. For now, I used they, to play it back in the day. Yeah, me too. Are they gonna like? <clears throat> oh, I don't know. Maybe retype set yeah. Call Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not all in carrier. <laughs> it's just it's so. Oh my God, y- you can get Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition now in PDF. There was a. It was evidently under Charlie Crank uh, uh, a Kickstarter for yes, there was Call Seventh, right? And it kind of blew up, and some bad stuff happened, and yep. some backers haven't gotten some stuff. This is all secondhand. I was not involved with it. I know uh, it was late. I heard it was it was late. It was late. Yeah. I know at least that much. Yeah. But you can get the PDF now, mm-hmm. so you can check it out. Seventh edition now, and they've had the um, Seventh Edition Quick Start out for ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they, there was one of the books, the Gaslight, Cthulhu Gaslight. Yeah, that kind of previewed some of the stuff from Seventh Edition. Right, a lot of the, like background character backgrounds and shit like that. Right. right. So all that came out of Gen Con, and then of course the Vampire Fourth Edition God announcement. Fuckers! God damn it! I go out and I get the print-on-demand book for Twentieth Edition. You know what? Though? Not two weeks later, it's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, Go ahead, Tim. Try to justify it. No, 20th edition <laughs> is awesome, and I love 20th edition. I, it's it's right. great. Uh, I read one of um, Onyx Path's blog posts about 4th edition, and what they're doing is they're setting it after Gehenna, which is the event that ended the, the Vampire <clears throat> the Masquerade line, but it's not going to be somehow post-apocalyptic. So I'm actually really looking forward to it. I don't know what they're going to do with the rules or anything. So it's post-the-apocalypse... But, but it's happy. But not post-apocalyptic. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out. Okay. okay. It's not post-post-apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah, it's... I will give you one example of a game company that handled their setting and the rules set correctly. And it's not White Wolf. Mm-hmm. And this <laughs> is the biggest... Mm. Oh, it moved. Yeah, it's not... The tape is jiggling. It's jiggling a lot. But, um... As far as, I mean, and that, the, the contention between Old World and New World of Darkness, for most people, is the setting. Mm-hmm. Original Traveler. Yeah. Yeah. Original Traveler had a set of rules. 
here's your three books. And you can even include Mercenary and the High Guard and Scout and all the <clears throat> all the expanded books. When you get into the supplements and you start getting into the setting. But when you get into the books, they're very setting neutral. It's like, yeah. This mm -hmm. is a science mm -hmm. fiction game system. Mm -hmm. Their <laughs> setting came from some of the supplements. But even more than that, the best thing for the setting, and I think this is the best way to introduce and evolve a setting, was the Journal to the Traveler's Aid Society, which was their periodical that came out four times a year. Like mm -hmm. an in-house zine? It was, their, it was their magazine for for the Traveler universe. It was a and, zine! Which you, could still, which you could still find online, I think. Somehow I've, I got a hold I of got, it. Maybe drive-thru. I've got a few from eBay. Yeah, okay. I think I may have They're, purchased a package from DriveThruRPG. <laughs> They're all... <laughs> They're all. Um, I, they're, I, by this point, they're probably all available on CD-ROM from Far Future Enterprises. <laughs> anyway, you were saying the but travelers. Th that in, in the front of the book. First off, there would be like it was fabulous, best periodical that's ever been put out for a role-playing game ever by far. In the front of the book, they had news bulletins about what was going on in the Fifth Frontier War. And there would be like, oh, uh, uh, on, Re uh, on Regina, uh, the, the troop movements happened and this and that. And the, the, the Duke of this subsector made a statement about this. And uh, Zodani forces have been seen in this area. Mm -hmm. And there'd be like five or six news bulletins that would sort of evolve the story every the, quarter. Evolve the meta plot, yeah. It didn't really come out quarterly. It came out three times a year, usually. But it was a very... Oh, yeah. And it was as, it was as big... And as well produced as the basic traveler books. It was the exact same format. Yeah. Um, because I took my traveler books and those the traveler the magazines, and I three hole punched them and had them in a kept them in a binder, so they were just all right. And they there used handy. to give you like NPCs every issue. Oh yeah, and new ships. Well, I think yeah, ships, planets, planets cool yeah. scenarios. Yeah, yeah. and Stories. great stuff. Great stuff. I think twentieth anniversary edition and and now the subsequent fourth edition. Uh, I think those are kind of accidental, because you're talking, about, you're talking about vampire. Now. Yeah, right. back back on vampire because I don't know travel because you can't let it go and I can't let it go. <laughs> I can't. You've challenged me, Stu, and I have to reply to this now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. So much talking. So, talking. 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 talking talk. So much talking. So if you look back when they ended <clears throat> the Vampire the Masquerade line, it was. If memory serves, right around the same time that uh, the D20 glut was in full swing and, and the, the RPG industry was kind of dying off, people were just like, eh, whatever. Right. And so they were like, oh my God, we have to do something. We have to do something that's going to bring people back in. So they decided to end all of their lines in these apocalyptic events and then start up new lines. And that's right. where you got... You know, your Requiem and your uh, uh, whatever they are for me. Forsaken. Or Forsaken and... Awakening. Uh, Awakening, yeah. <laughs> then, when the 20th anniversary came around, White Wolf said, eh, you know what, let's do a 20th anniversary edition because that was really popular. Right. Uh, the, the game's really popular. So they did the 20th anniversary edition and then it sold awesome and had just... People were like, oh my God, yes, give me more of this. And rightly so because it is a fantastic book. It is. It is. And the way they set it up where they cleaned up a lot of the rules that had problems out of the previous editions and made it metaplot agnostic. Yes, it is. It's, am it's amazing if I can quote right. older podcasts. Amazing. Uh, amazing. So... Then they were like, oh my god, people are eating this stuff up. So now they've got this opportunity 
that they can't really let go to waste. So what's the next logical step? Well, now we have to continue it. Right. So I think it I think it was originally an accident and now they're like, Oh my god, people really want this shit. Right. Mm. Oh, there's a lot of people stuck yeah. in Old World of Darkness. Oh, yeah. A lot of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. sorry, classic. Cl- is it cla- is they calling it classic now? Classic World of Darkness. Oh, said <laughs> Old World of Darkness. Uh, I will say, I have played Vampire a couple of times. I enjoyed the game. I'm still not super hip with play- role-playing a vampire, but, you know. Oh, it's fun. It's fun, I'm telling you. It's you play very, a vampire all the time. Speak for the yourself. <laughs> it's very different. It's, it it's very, very different. different. And I kind of have the same problem with it that you've talked about, Stu, of you know, playing a monster. Right, yeah. <clears throat> you know, playing the monster. Yeah. Um, that said, I'm about to start playing in a vampire campaign. Yeah. You but know, the thing is, when everyone in the party is a monster, that sets the status quo to everyone's a monster okay so we get past that now we have to well, deal with the, the 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 more personal aspects of the horror which is how does my character deal with the fact that he's right. a monster how does he deal with the <clears throat> fact that every night he has to get up and go drink some poor schlup's blood Here, here's my here's my spin on it vampires not really about vampires the care the fact that you are vampires is window dressing the game is about politics and power i won't completely disagree with that those are huge aspects of the game i mean when you're immortal uh and you cannot be part of ordinary civilization you make your own that's exactly and that's exactly what's happened the first television show i worked on back in the late 80s early 90s was called kindred you worked you worked on that and it was based on vampire the masquerade and it was romeo and juliet and which, if you think about it, has, deals with all of these clans, all of these uh, two family tribes and families, all o- overlapping each other. And in the middle, of course, are two vampires that fall in love from opposite. It's exactly what it is. It's a classic trope, and it's. I mean, yeah, I, you're right. It's it's about politics. It's about families. It's about tribes. It's about right. taking sides. Um, bear with me for one second. I have to, <laughs> Go ahead, have a fangasm. I, I totally have to have a fangasm. You worked on Kindred. Yeah, I had all all 19 episodes or 11 episodes or whatever it was. Yeah. What? It doesn't hold up if you've watched it recently. It's I just watched it two weeks ago. I have the box set at home. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's awesome. I love it's, it. You it's are not such a Netflix fanboy. It's it's the cheese. It's <clears throat> it's based on uh, an earlier edition of Vampire the Masquerade. So vampires can do things like walk around in the sun if they've fed enough, and uh, there's some there's some things that kind of make you go. But but ultimately, it's awesome to see like brujas and Nosferatu's on the screen and stuff. What? If you don't mind me asking, what did you do? We can totally take this offline, too. We just too, painted all the sets. I mean, all of the sets. Like, like the underneath the dam was a set. The whole inside of the bar, of the of the vampire bar, that was Haven. a set. It was called Haven. Yeah, we painted that. The murals on the wall, all of that stuff. Yeah. I, 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 I may have to have you autograph my <laughs> my my DVD set. That's a first. I don't it? even know if my name's in the credits, so it's I, not I, even that big. Well, you know what? Now, I'm going to go home and, and, and put my... And watch the credits I, just I'm gonna to put, see. The I'm going to put my poor girlfriend through watching Kindred the Embraced again, so just so I can... The check sad thing is that it was... I know that guy! I know that guy! It was really ahead of its time, because had it come out probably five or six years later, after Buffy the Vampire Slayer had started, yeah, right. it mm-hmm. probably would have been a much bigger, bigger success, but it was just a little ahead of the curve, right. and, and there, it just kind of fought. And it was kind of expensive to do, because yeah. it was all practical makeup. And there was... There was a lot of talk of doing a second season of it, uh, were it not for the fact that the prince, Prince Julian, who was a Ventru, not that I watch it enough, uh, it, <laughs> died in real life. Died in um, real life a in a, in a motorcycle accident. accident. Yeah, so tragic. 
I, I want to interject something here. Tomes, I want to play in that game. Well, Tom well, says, I think I'd play a vampire game, but it'd have to be more of a what we do in the shadows game. Yeah. What we do in the shadows is a movie that came out not too long, and it is hilarious, and I want to play in that game. Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, I've seen it. No, I know okay. what you're talking about. It's, you know. There's one called Vampire Academy, which is pretty funny, too. So... I know that I know that we have to get onto our emails, and we're oh, we've already spent a lot of time discussing Vampire the Masquerade. I just want to pimp something real quick. A long time ago, I ran a forum-based game. It was a play-by-post Vampire the Masquerade game. It was very sandboxy in nature. It was called L.A. by Fire. I ran it for two years and played in it for a year and a half, two years before that. I'm rebooting the game, so if you want to play some awesome play-by-post forum-based mm. Vampire the Masquerade in a sandbox of Los Angeles. I'm going to turn the soundboard down a little. That's a little loud. Sorry. Okay, that's fine. Uh, just go to labyfire.org, sign up. It's going to be awesome. So is it actually play by mail-in letter, or is it going to be email? Play no, it's post? forum. It's forum-based. Forum. Oh, it's forum-based now. It's okay. forum-based. It's play-by-forum. Yeah, play-by-forum. Each individual forum represents a location in Los Angeles that is a, a kindred hangout. And uh, it's very sandbox-based, very player-driven, although <laughs> I, as the ST, will be dropping in hints for plots I'm going to run as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. It works best if there's a whole lot of players. The original LA by fire had upwards of like 35, 40 players at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's rebooting. I'm doing all the finals of character creation now <coughs> and hopefully we'll, we'll actually launch the game next week. I'm sinking again. What? What? Are you, okay. My, I'm sinking I'll, again I'll on the camera. I'll find tape. Uh, oh, you're you're sinking. Not S Y N K S I N K. Yeah, right. we all went. What are you sinking? What? What? Oops. What are you sinking I did about? It again. <laughs> uh, tips for managing PCs in a con game from Jason. Hey, Jackers. What are your tips for managing a full table at a con game? I ran an online game during JackerCon, and to my surprise, everyone who RSVP'd showed up. I even had to turn people away to keep the party at six players. Game went great. We had a blast. Outside of my usual unpreparedness, I was, at first, flustered by having six players to corral and manage. I worked hard to keep everyone involved, but I still feel like there was a player or two who didn't get as much of the limelight as others. I feel like playing with strangers at a con game was harder for me to manage because I didn't know their gaming personalities. Once the action got started and we fell into into turn order everything moved smoothly but i definitely had an oh shit moment when everyone started going in different directions in the first 15 minutes luckily your podcast tends to attract excellent gamers who are willing to roll with the game and my players were great would appreciate any tips to establish gm authority quickly while trying not to step on any pc creativity or overlooking quiet players thanks a ton and i kind of wanted to talk about managing a full table especially to convention we haven't talked about that in probably a while, and how to techniques to make sure that you are spreading the limelight out. I mean, Jib and I are, are, are going to say the, the same thing starting out, which is six players is probably too many for a game. Six players is too many. <laughs> um, really, you think so? Yeah, I do. I do. I absolutely for a, for do. a con game. Yeah, uh, four. Anyway. Four shall be the number of the players, and the number of the, the players, players shall, shall be four. four. Um, first off, I wanted to, to make one comment. GM authority is a myth. Uh, 
<laughs> You've been listening to Angry, haven't you? <laughs> no, no. It's just I, I've run enough games that GM authority is a myth. As the GM, I it's not even a story at this point. It's I am creating a game. I'm not creating a story. I'm creating a game. The players are going to create a story when they play it. So, um, keep that thought firmly in mind because it matters. So, I'm going to set things up. I'm going to have one. I'm going to have know what's going on in the world up to the point where the game starts, and I'm going to have an idea of what I think might happen. I might totally be wrong. I usually am, um, but it's not a story until the players have it. It's a game. It's it a story grows out of out of playing the game. But doesn't that run contrary to something I've heard many times on the podcast, which is con games generally tend to be a railroad? Con games tend to start out more railroady. Um, the hook is bigger, and the bait is bigger. Okay. And you generally have players who are gonna <clears throat> are going to cooperate with the plot hook. Right off the bat. Because exactly. they know they've got yeah. four yeah. hours. Yeah, they know we got four hours, and you throw the hook out, and they're going to go, bite, right on, you know, immediately. Um, and then they're going to do something unexpected. Having, and then they're going to do something unexpected. Having been in Jib's game, he's, he's more of a reactive GM <laughs> in, in many, many ways. He's not a, he's not, he's proactive, of course, with his prep and everything, but once the game starts, he waits for his players to make a, a choice. He goes, and this is usually him, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's almost every person. Uh, so I want to throw my hammer. Um, okay. Uh, it's him thinking about it and reacting to what the players are going to do, and that, and from there, that's how he tells his story. It's he reacts to what his character, what his players are throwing at him. I never know. It's he nudges them along to make sure they kind of, you know, remember there's a remember there's a bad guy it was over there's there. There's a hiding. thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's yeah. That thing. thing. Oh yeah. But for the most part, he's reacting to what the players are doing, and I think that's what he's trying to go at. Yeah. Am, I, am I off the mark? No. No. You're you're dead on. Um. And I am able to do that because I know the world and the people in, in the world, other than the player characters, very well. I have a lot of information about them. All of my game prep is about those things. It's about the world and the people and what they're about. What they care about, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then um, when the players go, oh... Um, yeah, so we want to go talk to the um, the medical examiner, and I had had never occurred to me. I'm like, oh, but you know what? There is a medical examiner, and we'll do that. Um, right, you're like, huh? Yeah, there should be a medical examiner. Hold on well, a second. I got, yeah, there should. <laughs> right? And yeah, that's you what did. A, that's what it, that's what yes ending is for a GM. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. yeah, and very often it's stuff that you just failed to think of. Right. That makes perfect sense. Of course, that would there would be. Absolutely. If there's been a murder, there's a body, and it's probably at the medical examiner's uh, office. Right. And the medical examiner has a file about it. Exactly. And, and but see, a lot of GMs will block. They're like, I didn't prepare for that, so therefore, no, no, there's right. no, there's no medical examiner. And 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 I and that is a reaction born of fear. It is. It is a it is a reaction born of fear because then they think they're not in control. I'm tr what I'm trying to tell them is they weren't in control to begin with. That's true. 
up to, up to the like you say up to the point where they actually start the game I'm in complete control and then the players but again your style is very reactive once the players start throwing lefts and hooks and nicking you react to it we will go with go. that yep. a GM style should always be reactive I yeah. always I do. think I so agree. Yeah. Um, and I that agree. railroading <laughs> basically is when the GM isn't reacting and is now suddenly telling the players what they're doing mm-hmm. it's not just it's not not, not laying out the scene, but saying, all right, you guys go into the inn and you talk to the and bartender. The bartender gives you this. And you're like, right. wait a minute. And, and <laughs> let's let's take this concept of a con game being more railroady a, a step further, okay? If I throw out this gigantic hook and I'm like, okay, and this is the thing. And the players all go, no, we're going, we're doing, we're going over there instead. My job as the GM, is to go over there. It is not to drag them back to my hook. No. It is to go over there. And you can do one of two things. You can either forget the plot hook, or you can continue the continuity of the setting and say, okay, that bad guy that I, I was thinking they were going to go intervene with, he's still doing his stuff. Yes, he is. And bad things might happen later on, and things might get even more unmanageable than they would have been if they had intervened right off the bat. Right? And that's entirely up to the... That, and, and that's... Either one of those is a valid way to go. I mean, you could say, yeah. okay, the players don't want that hook. That stuff's happening in the background. Maybe it's going it, to... It, it would be like um, uh, Shaun of the Dead. I mean, it took a long time for them to realize there's a zombie apocalypse happening. Yeah. Right, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and that's exactly what, the way some games run. Is exactly like that. No, we're gonna go to the pub instead. Okay, you're at the pub, and, it, and then, oh yeah, on television there's a problem in Zimbabwe. There's uh, been a, a bunch of people eaten, and uh, things are starting to uh, collapse in Paris. And oh, that's great. Do you think they got any? <clears throat> and I'll get some fish and I, chips. Games totally yeah, go Guinness. like yeah. Games totally go like. There's there's a third option too, which is a little harder, but I I know we've we've all done it, and that's to cannibalize your first plot hook a bit, pulling the NPC out. And okay, so he's not a warlord anymore. Now he is. Um, now he's a uh, the the yeah. a rat yeah, in the, sewer. the owner yes. of the rival pub. Yes, yes, right. And, exactly. But you said something a minute ago that I think was very salient, and it's um, and Jason says it here too. He says the game went great, and we had a blast. Yeah, you won. Yep. You did win. You did win. You and your players all won. But, yeah. but in a con game, if you advertise your con game as you and your noble band of adventurers need to find the legendary magic sword fed offensor. Sure. Okay. So that's that's how you set the game up and people sign up for that. Uh-huh. They're buying into the plot hook They're right there. They're buying into the, the plot hook yes. right there. So if they decide, well, we could go in this dungeon where they say there's a clue to Fed Offensor, but we're going to go to a pub instead, isn't it then kind of your duty to put someone in that pub? Let them go to the pub, but put someone in that pub that might have some information about Fed Offensor, sure. since that is the overarching goal of yes. that con game. Yes. 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 I... I Absolutely. Actually, dangle the hook in front of them again. Again, just keep <laughs> doing it again and again and I again. Act- right. I actually wanted to sort of feel this with you because last con, the one that we weren't at, was your first time running games at cons. It totally right? was. And I'm not sure if you talked about it on air. I know you talked about I it with not. us. I so, can we sum up your your experience for doing it? Because I mean, uh, you might actually learn some stuff from. I sure. want you to start this con- this <laughs> story from the morning of oh, in shit. the lobby. <laughs> the morning of the lobby. Uh, no. 
I want to preface this. You're an experienced GM. You've been GMing I, for years and years. GMing You've for years and years. Never done a con before. Right? Never done a con before. Okay. Never GM did a con. What are you, what are you laughing at, Stu? Uh, SP Lloyd just joined the forum. We want to know what he missed. <laughs> and and uh, Baby Cake said, Stork told us that he used to work on Kindred the Embraced. And SP Lloyd replied, Poor guy. <laughs> Okay, so you're Sploid is in the uh, the the forum game, and okay. he he just asked if you yeah. talked about that. I did, yeah, and yes, he did. I Good. Did. So okay, uh, my experience at the con, I was, uh, it was my first time running at a con. I've run games all my life, you know. I mean, I started playing D and D with the Errol Otis decorated basic set in like eighty one. Mm-hmm. How and much acid did he take before he drew? That's what oh, I want to Dude, I love his art. I love his style. I love so his art. He's my favorite game artist. <laughs> anyway. I'm a big Trampier fan, but that's all. Oh, uh, okay. He, he, no, he's good too. He's awesome, but there's just something about Otis's stuff that I have an autographed module from him at home. <sighs> uh, for me, it's all about the Elmore. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, yeah, Elmore, yeah, he's, he's done some good stuff. Anyway, um, so the morning of the con... First person I run into is this guy sitting across from me here, Jib. And I glommed onto him because I was so nervous. I was I was sweating. My, my I was like... <sighs> now, I, I was going to bring that up later, but you bring it up right off the bat. Because you would actually, like, the week before, were sending in emails and asking us questions. Like, what do you... Hobby, how do you and I'm like... Yeah, I was... Because you've, ga- you've run games before. Right. I was <laughs> amazingly stressed and amazingly nervous. And Jib was like, dude... Chill, bro. You know how to do this. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. Just, just chill. And Tomes was there too. And Tomes was like, "Yeah, dude, just, just chill." It's like, ah, but I don't know. Off the ledge. I don't, I don't know if people are gonna show up. No one shows up. No one's gonna show up for my game. So, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Oh my god, because I was running uh, a Swords and Wizardry game and a White Star game, which is an old school uh, Star Wars like RPG. Um, so uh, uh, it came time. I didn't eat all day because I was so nervous. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I, I did after my first game. After once my once my first game came and went, I was fine. But um, sat down for the first mm-hmm. game and I was crazy nervous that no one was going to show up. That was my big fear that no one was going to show. Yeah, up. it's tough. You throw a party and you hope yeah. people show up. Yeah, and I was like, oh man, if that happens, um, uh, that's just. I totally have that exact same neuroses every con. Yeah. Well, but uh, but for your first con, if no one shows up, yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, well, maybe, I, maybe oh, I'm doing suck. something I, wrong. I suck without even doing it. I suck without even doing it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I was sitting there waiting. I had everything set up and two people, uh, a dude walked up and he sat down. He was like, hey, this is the Swords and Wizardry game. I was like, yeah, it sure is. He's like, awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to play this. So I heard really excited to play this. And I was like, okay. So there went a little bit of it because someone was really excited to play. Two other guys came over and they were like hey is this a swords and wizardry game i was like yeah they said we really want to play but we didn't sign up for it i was like well i have one person so far sit down and they sat down and um one other person came up and and sat down and wanted to play and it was awesome it was a lot of fun um we ran pretty much it went pretty much according to how I thought it was going to go, mm-hmm. because I set up. You know, it was it was old school D and D, so it was very much like you have to go find out what is going on here and then deal with the problem. Right. And <clears throat> they went and found out what was going on there and then dealt with the problem. Right. Um, but it was great. Once I started running, I immediately got right into it, and there wasn't any uh, nervousness. It was 
it was really a fun game. Um, you know, I asked them for feedback afterwards. Uh, specifically, I asked them what uh, they thought I could do better. What can I do better? Because mm-hmm. I figured if you ask them, hey, how was it? They're all going to go, oh, dude, it was great. But if you ask me, hey, what, what could I have done better? And they gave me some good feedback. Um, it's going to be hard for me to talk on this specific topic, though, because it went exactly how it should have, exactly as I planned it. Well, but that's... I guess, let's bring it back to this topic. I mean, that yeah. was the one game, and then the, obviously the second game went even better because you were more relaxed. And had uh, the second game actually went a little bit... Off the rails. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, no. No, it was it, on rails, but off topic. It stayed on the rails, but it was an, it, it was a, it's a new game system. Oh. And I wasn't as familiar with the rules, so uh, there were a number of times when I had to apply liberal amounts of hand-wavium Yes. Rather than go and look up the the rule, I was like, well, it's based on uh, original D&D, and I know original D&D real well, so I'm just going to do something that makes sense in original D&D rather than go and look up this specific rule and stop the game. So, Handwavium is, in my opinion, the most important thing for a GM to keep in mind while running a game at a con. Yeah. Is when it comes up that something happens in the game and you don't know immediately what the rule for that is, don't go find it. Yeah, rather yeah, than just, stop in just, the game for 15 minutes just, looking it up. Just, just make a something. decision, err on the, in favor of the players, and go. And go on your way. One of the players in that game was playing like a, a Boba Fett-style character. He was a bounty hunter with a jet pack, right? Yeah. So he was fighting the equivalent of a Jedi, and the Jedi had swung at him, and he used his jet pack to, you know dodge and he's kind of hovering like right. 20 feet away now and he was like I'm going to yank out my laser pistol um, while this other player distracts him in melee combat can I aim and get an aiming bonus and I was like well there's got to be a rule for that it's a space game with laser pistols you know and if there's not aim. I'm going to make one up so what I said was you know what yeah uh, that sounds really cool so you know each round that you that you aim up to three rounds I'm going to give you a plus one. Yeah. Just because that seemed awesome. And, uh, uh, but yeah, but tons of hand waving in that game. So, yeah. And it is the, the most important thing is the flow. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. flow. Um, now, getting back to the fear thing for a second. Every time I step to the end of a table, I have that feeling. I will have that feeling tonight when I start my Pathfinder game. I will have that feeling tomorrow for the Weird Wars game. So, But I will have those feelings. The day that I go to run a game and I don't have those feelings, that's when I'm going to be really afraid. Ah, uh, okay. It, it's called stage fright. It's called and stage fright. Every actor yeah, yeah. has it too, and, and they, they could spend years learning to channel that nervous you, energy. You into learn the show. to use it. Yeah. You learn to use it, and. Um, my experience running games at cons is I will be that way, and as soon as I have people start to sit down, I start to, to mellow a bit. And then as soon as I start the intro to the game, from that moment on, I am so totally immersed in the ga- running the game myself that I'm good. It's just going to be what it's going to be. In my second game, the White Star game, which again was the science fiction uh, original D&D game, there was a guy playing there who was, um, 
he'd started up a company and he was making his own science fiction game. It was called Synthesize, and he was there running some demos of it. And he had these really nice books uh, that were like a, a quick start adventure with a subset of the rules, and that's what he was running there. And uh, he gave me a copy of the of of it. He said, "I'm not giving these out to people because they were kind of expensive to make." But he said, "After watching you run this game, I want to give you a copy of this because I think you'll be able to do some awesome stuff with it." And I was like, "Oh, wow! That's that's you know, I I was just so humbled, uh, uh, and, and I felt so good that he he said that. You know, it was very much a compliment that this nascent game designer saying dude you can do something with this now i haven't done anything with it yet but i plan on it i, I totally plan on it as soon as the on week there on. are there are a lot of rewards for running con games yeah. i mean it's almost immediate um i'm going to review kind of what we do what we talked about for con games um i'm a big fan of modular design coming yes. up with three or four different encounters uh, because remember you have four hours to fill i've got three or four or even five different encounters and then you just stick them in where you need them or pull them out if you know if they only get through two they, they do if you go four you know there's Stu's famous story about he had a bunch of encounters and they burned right through them in the first two hours and he had to go to the bathroom and come up with another couple more encounters but that's a great way of taking the stress off yourself it's a way to keep things moving it's like oh i know i have these three encounters that i can throw in as they go along so that keeps you as a gm going the the other thing uh, is just making sure that you have interesting characters the players can play so that mm -hmm. they feel compelled to play if you make just a boring character they're going to just sit there and play on their phone until it's their turn to do something it's this is your chance to design an interesting compelling character for them to, to have fun with yes uh <laughs> i was just gonna say and I, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about this but when i play tested your uh freak show game for the last con uh-huh uh i saw that in effect in that game you that was the one with where um uh, uh, the Seven Deadly Sins. Pandora's Box. Pandora's Box, right? Let the Seven Deadly Sins out. And we only got through like two or three of them yeah. in, in our playtest. But I realized afterwards that you had all seven yeah. of the Deadly Sin encounters prepped up, ready to go. And whatever we went in the game, in that little town that you had us in, that's where your encounters were placed. So if we went over here, we would have encountered Wrath. Right. And if we went over here, we would have encountered, you know, that's what right. we encountered Gluttony. And it's not railroading on my part. It's a bit, you guys can do whatever you want in that town. I just had these encounters all ready to go at any point of the game. Yeah, no, right. I thought that was great. It was it was really fun, and, and that was a... A big eye-opener. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. It was like, oh, that's a cool idea. And there's Modular a, scenes yeah. in the game are how I move the game the story the game along when the players are going are starting to cycle down mm -hmm. a little bit they're doing something they're doing something they're doing something they start to cycle down a little bit it's like and see mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have it all prepped up as well right and you, can... and you know here and then a guy shows up yeah. with the thing and oh look there are bad guys what are you gonna do about that I actually have a separate folder for each, and you can do it in OneNote, too. You have a separate section for each scene so that you just flip to yeah. it and get ready to go. It's, it, um, it keeps you relaxed. It keeps things moving forward. To, to pour out some OneNote Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I do is I have tabs for different Testify. things in Testify. the game. Yeah. And then, like, there's the, the, the story tab. And the story tab has the background page, and then it has a page for each scene. On the background page is a link that goes to the page for the scene so all i have to do is have up the the background and i can jump to whatever i need yeah, to yeah. i have links to the pages for each of the player characters each of the npcs um i have a tab that's 
yeah you know characters and i've got the first thing is a summary that has grit table views of the player characters and tables of the npcs where the npcs are located you may want a physical folder too if you're like me and you have some physical props like when we did the when i did the freak show goes into the fey realm there was a door puzzle they had to assemble so I had that puzzle set yeah. up, and then when they went there, I well, pulled it out, and they a, were able a to... Literal, a literal pu- puzzle, yeah. like you handed them a Rubik's Cube and said, I, solve no, this? No, I, I handed something. them um, puzzle pieces of two separate doors, and they had to put them together at the table to figure out which door would and enter oh, the sure, that is, that is That is the number two thing on my game prep list of how to make your game, your game work. One, characters. Make interesting characters on clear... Easy to read character sheets. That's that is often yeah, underestimated. Yeah. A lot of people also get carried away with character design and, and give them an information dump. It uh-uh. needs to just be. I mean, I have it set up where you have those stats and then stuff behind there. They can five be minutes. Five minutes. Yep. You hand them the character sheet, and five minutes later, they should be have internalized the character and be ready to play. The next thing is props. <clears throat> give them things that they can manipulate, things that they can play with. Um, my prime example from my games is I did a murder mystery and the victim was a, a detective. He was a private detective. And one of the props was his case book. And um, I had typed up all of the things that, that had to be in the case book at, that were actual clues. And then I handed the, ca- the empty notebook and this list to my daughter and I said, fill this up with case stuff. Make sure these are in it and put whatever else in it you want. I've even had a cipher where it was uh, the runes on the, when the when the freak show meets Grendel. I had like this rune stone, and then I had like the, the key. Uh-huh. So they had written out, and then so they were like suddenly now this is just a simple substitution cipher yeah. where they you know figure. But it, it was something other than, and it brought them into the game. It's Stu, uh, Stu Stu's does QR it. codes with sound bites. Yes, spectacular. I actually really took to heart when he did the Ghostbusters game because he got maps of LA, Yeah, he worked out our route, he had specific photos of things. I mean, he really went off and it looked, it really adds the rich, especially for an investigation game. Yeah, It It really does add to the richness of it. So like when I do ever my freak show games, I have uh, photos of like crime scenes and uh, it's interesting because it just adds another another thing for the players to get involved in. It keeps them focused too. I want to address something in the the chat real quick. Mm -hmm. Uh, Baby Cake says the fear is setting in again. In again, Jib hasn't seen my RM character sheets are eight pages long. RM Rollmaster? Oh no! <laughs> um, really? <laughs> my question is Don't simply this. <laughs> my question is simply this, Baby Cakes. Do they need to be eight pages long? Oh, okay. Well, if it's seventy-two point font. <laughs> The way I set up my character and, sheet, and on the first page is the name. The way I set up on my the ca- second page is the race. <laughs> uh, the way I set up my character sheets is I have those folders. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, at the top those is just cool. the stats, and then behind that is all the answer stuff, description of powers. Behind that is maybe uh, on the other page is maybe a backstory. So it's separated so that in between action they can peruse their backstory. In between they can look at their equipment list and see what they have. But what they need to play the game is right up front, and then they can they can take the, the time. Later. I have a, gotta, it's a, a layout issue. I have a pretty static content list for the character packs that I hand out at cons. I have a cover sheet. Yeah. Because I just want something attractive that's right there in front of them. I have the character's bio. It's half a page. Period. End of story. The character sheet is one page. Mm-hmm. And then I have the the cheat sheet for the system. Whether it's Savage Worlds or Fate or Hero or whatever. I have 
and that's what goes in a character packet. Yep. And I use a player mats as opposed to a cheat sheet, but it's the same thing. That yeah. way, it gives the players uh, a sense of what to do. Those Savage Worlds player mats are awesome. Yeah. When I when I ran that Swords and Wizardry game, the character sheet was one sheet of paper. In the the uh, Swords and Wizardry white box rule book, there's a little graphic of how to make a character sheet, and it's literally just an image of uh, a three by five index card where someone has written on strength, intelligence, wisdom, right, dexterity. Yeah. You, I'm sure you don't need that much. No, you don't need that. Age. So I right. took I took that image and I put it on the top half of a page, and then in uh, you know just using text fields in Word, I just added the relevant details, and then the bottom half of the page was uh, a single paragraph about the personality of the character, and then uh, a, a paragraph or two on how that character's class abilities worked in the game. So they got one, one sheet of paper, paper right? yep. which yeah. had everything they needed. To look at it and go, uh, okay, awesome. Very rules light doing, game, though. Very yeah. exceedingly yeah. rules light D&D game, yeah. Something I've started doing, and I got this idea from Mook. Um, if they have powers or equipment that does something special, I put it on a card. I've heard a lot of people talking about that lately, using cards. Yeah. Is um, that is that something that maybe might have come out of the... D&D 4th edition. It's actually a D&D 4th edition thing, and it's one of the things they did well. The, yes. character, the character designer online... When you print your character sheet, it would give you power cards for all the powers your character had, and you could just cut them out and just flip through them. These are dailies, and these are encounters. Yeah. And these the are problem with 4th edition was that there got to be so bloody many of them yeah. that you had this, you know, this stack of magic cards in front of you that you had to sort through. Well, you get to higher levels. The I problem with 4th edition was, oh, we don't have enough time left in the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Comment on Kickstarter from Mark. Thank you very much for the uh, for the email there, Jason. Oh, and there's one other thing we didn't touch on, and that's you get a co-GM, because he will help you move things along, especially the party splits. There you go. Handy dandy. You don't have to have a co-GM. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tend to run by myself, but, I, you know. I, I run by myself as well. But some people like co-GM. Well, yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> Co-GMing is fun. Uh, comment from on, on Kickstarter from Mark. Would someone read this? Dear Happy Jack's crew, I recently listened to episode 50, or season 15, episode 6, and I have two comments to make. One, the movie Murder by Death is great. Uh, yes. I agree as well. I quote from it all the time and nobody knows I'm doing is it. That, is that the one with the, the girls who are dead and their bodies just keep... No, getting worse and worse no. and worse. No, no, that's oh, uh, death. death becomes her. Yeah. Death becomes her. Right, right. Thank you. Murder by death isn't. What would anybody want with a naked dead body? Well, the other awesome. Oh, oh, that's tacky. Oh, that's tacky. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie Smith at her best. Yep. Uh, two. On well done Kickstarters, see nominee games does it right. It is a one-man micro-publisher of games and supplements in the OSR old-school renaissance. Mm -hmm. His work spans fantasy, Scarlet Heroes, horror, Silent Legions, and sci-fi, stars without numbers. Games that are comparable or comparable with other OSR games. When he runs a Kickstarter, the text is ready to go, the money raised goes to art. Once a customer supports the Kickstarter, they have immediate access to the text stretch goals. Uh, they may have immediate access to the text, period. Stretch goals are simple. Uh, dot... Moby and dot .epub formats to uh, to the book for display on an e-reader and purchase of the full rights for the art. 
After the Kickstarter is over, the art gets bundled and offered for free on DriveThruRPG so that other micro-publishers can use it. Copyright free in their own work. I just thought he deserved a shout-out since he gives back so much time to the RPG community. Uh, there's a currently a Kickstarter, and they, they have a little link there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm glad there are people that know how to do it. Unfortunately, yeah, there's so many people out there that don't do it right yep, that it yep, just, yep, if, yep. it's frustrating. If I were to ever do a Kickstarter, and I don't think I ever will, but if I were to do one, all of the stuff that I can do myself is going to be finished. That's what they say is do all that stuff first. Have something yeah. to show your backers that this right. is legit. I, I would extend that. If I can do it or I can arrange for it without the backers, that's all going to be right. done yeah. Yeah, before yeah. before day one. Yeah. Um, and and I haven't. I'm unfamiliar with uh, the guy that he's talking about, but it sounds like he does a really good job. And their stuff is is good. Yeah. Their stuff uh, is good. The company that I have had the Loose most that, success yeah. with is, of course, you know, this, Pinnacle. Um, yeah. Because when they do a Kickstarter, they are raising money to do one thing: print. That's it. Okay. Is is this print and ship? So and everything else is done. Everything the, else the artwork, is done. The layout. They've the already got arts. the. They've already got the. That's the awesome. Text. They've got the art. They've got the layout, and usually, um, the Excuse the me. Kickstarter ends, and the backers get the PDFs right now, immediately, um, and then it's just. And uh, to be fair, Pinnacle has had some Kickstarters. Uh, Deadlands Noir was an example. Was late. It was late for a reason. It was late because getting the books printed in China and then shipped to the U.S. took longer than it was supposed to. Then they were quoted. They kept us, everyone, up to date on what was going on the whole time. See, that's the thing. I I have never backed a Kickstarter, but I follow a lot of uh, uh, Kickstarter conversation on the net. There's a couple of old school blogs which just do nothing but point out all of the bad Kickstarters for the OSR and some horrible, horrible stuff out there. But what I can say is, is about the people who back Kickstarters and about gamers in general is if it's late... That's going to be okay as long as you tell them. Let us know. Let them know. Let us know. Have a reason why it's late. Don't let them feel that they're just shoved out in the uh, in the cold without any information or any products coming. That's right. That's what I see. But I, I um, do know that this guy and does definitely do don't make all of your updates about how about going to Gen Con <laughs> rather than working on your fucking game. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, the guy having a great time at Gen Con showing off uh, the the early versions of the game still and the artwork looks really great. It's really fun. Gen- they're really responding to me well at Gen Con while I'm here having a great time with the game I haven't released to you yet, showing it to everybody. You guys should come on down and see it. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's totally a fuck you. Yeah. Um Next anyway. email, Tim. Vampire I'll, and New World of Darkness. I'll take this one. Blah. Blah. It's for vampire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, greetings, salutations, and so forth. This is yet another Swede mailing in with the obligatory onslaught of umlauts. Umlaut, yeah. Wow. Onslaught of umlaut. Onslaught of umlaut. Onslaut. Yeah, we're from Someone actually sent an email to, and actually corrected it. it uh, 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 uh. Yeah. It's uh. An O with an umlaut over it is pronounced like EA and learn. Uh, uh, un- un- slot? Uh, in slot? In slot. In slot. In slot. Anyway, go ahead. Like flu. Anyway. 
<laughs> and then you got to get the you got to get that as well that that German R. The the hardest word in Danish you we know learned was you know what was just stop was just, just stop I'm just gonna stop. There's a dessert in Denmark called Hulkrimefle. It's all of this glottal stop that we English don't really use. But anyway, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> uh, anyway, long time listener, first time mailer. Man crush on stork, etc. Stork's et hair is great. Aww, this, I'm, I'm very popular in Scandinavia. Apparently, I guess it's, it's my Swedish background. It's the uh, hair. Background. It's the hair. Uh, Being okay, a this, guy's, this guy's name is Linus. Stork and Linus sitting in a it. With the last guy that had a man crush was also <laughs> from from uh, Scandinavia, I guess. So, being a self-proclaimed world of darknessy. I felt the desperate need to address Stu's White Wolf Onyx Path Edition frustration. TLDR are available. Firstly, second edition of Requiem, which was originally released under the title Blood and Smoke, the Styrix Chronicle, is the only book you need in order to play Vampire the Requiem. You do not need the God Machine Chronicle, nor to reference any of the earlier edition rulebooks. TLDR, you only need one book to play Requiem nowadays. I do not think uh, that is true. No, I, 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 I don't think that's correct Because either. there are references to game yeah. mechanics in Requiem 2nd Edition, which I have and have read, and I cannot find the rules in Requiem. You have to go back to the uh, New World of Darkness core book to find those. I, I concur, and I, I, I'm pretty much sure that Blood and Smoke, the rules contained in it, were modifications to what was in Requiem. I don't. I don't know. I, it's, it's a combined thing. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is a complete setting. Right. You can probably make a complete character from it. It does not include all of the game mechanics. Yeah, I think. Sorry, least, Linus. I think I want to uh, err on Stu's side, uh, but I'm going to investigate this now because I don't have Blood and Smoke yet. I need a clarification. Well, it's not Cold well, Blood. It, it's Vampire: The Requiem Second Edition now. Now it is. Yeah, yeah but I want to go back and you borrow look my up. hard copy if you want. Uh, you I got the second edition hardcover? Yeah. I need a clarification. Uh, print on demand. Uh, uh, what's TL semicolon DR? Too long, Too long didn't, didn't read. read. Okay. So really, I, I should jump down to the TLDRs first. And, mm -hmm. uh, secondly, don't fret over the announcement of a fourth edition of Masquerade. The editions have, apart from often much needed rules revisions, functioned as the final word on what is and what isn't canon within the metaplot. Neither you nor your players need to know any of that crap. I agree with that. 100%. I think that's yeah, that's that's true. I've never run a metaplot compliant vampire game ever. Why? Has anyone has have many people actually run a metaplot compliant game in any system? Uh vamp Vampire the Masquerade has a very strong oh, no, metaplot because lots of people run it. Okay. And uh, I stand corrected. The LARPing versions, like One World by Night, and I don't think that's what it's called anymore, but uh, like the silly stuff that Tyler used to do with his werewolf LARP, and I say silly just because it's Tyler, um, those are all usually metaplot compliant because... Stu's run metaplot compliant traveler games. Well, yeah. Um, it basically took us a point just prior to the Fifth Frontier War mm -hmm. and ran a game from then. Like, the, the war has not started yet, but it's going to. I've, okay. al I've always had an idea for a Firefly game I wanted to run set 
after the movie, which would be um, Metaplot compliant in that everything in the movie and the episodes up to that point happened. So that would all be... Like okay. if, if you want to play this game, watch Firefly and Serenity, and then you'll be able to start playing this game. I, so. I brought out the... Uh, what, what is it? The Firefly role-playing game? Is that the newest one? Not the newest Serenity. one is Firefly. Firefly. Serenity is the original I, I have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought it out at the last Boggard rehearsal, and Bruce almost table-flipped. I showed him the map of the setting. It is a single star system with, like, 14 stars. And, I don't know, probably... 30 planets, Did he 35 planets. Table flip out of frustration or no, excitement? The, no, the science. Oh, well, because it's literally, here's the main star. Here's a bunch of other stars that rotate around this star. Here are stars that rotate around the stars that are rotating around this star. And here's all the planets around all of these various stars. Yet none of their orbits ever get perturbed. Um, if, <laughs> if, if I were going to look for scientific accuracy... Firefly and Serenity would not be my starting point. I, I, it seemed fine until I saw the book. <laughs> Watching the shows, I didn't see anything that looks particularly inaccurate. Uh, okay, even so, when you've got a spaceship that is traveling from world to world, and they're like, oh yeah, we'll be there in like a day or two. Uh, it's, it is, there is no FTL. Right, exactly. That's my right. point. Yeah. But there is a a faster, if I recall correctly, there is a faster type of engine. But I don't remember exactly how it works. Okay. Well, damn it, Stu! Now I'm gonna have to watch all of Firefly and Serenity again after watching Kindred of <laughs> the Embrace. So just to see if I well, can figure out what that because is. it, it because it is a television <laughs> show, things happen. At plot appropriate distance and plot appropriate right. time. That, no, that's my point. Yeah. Uh, that's why, if you're going to look at it for a a, a hard sci-fi where not, everything is grounded in rules, not uh, the that's animal not you it. want. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, it. But, but all still. of the shows, the, the the ships run at the speed of plot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. you you got to you got to see this map though. I mean, you look at it, you go, it can't, how, ha- it can't how, happen. How does that? And work? where the fuck did they find this? It's an improbability drive star system, <laughs> and. How the hell do they get there if they don't have FTL? Because well, remember, they left well, Earth. You, they left as Earth as Storm just yeah. pointed out, you need an improbability drive so you can do That's away with true, all that yeah. tire, tiresome mucking around exactly. in hyperspace. Right. So they left Earth that was aboard the Heart of Gold. <laughs> Probably. There you go. <laughs> and there's still gravity in all those little ships, too. Yeah. That's true. There is. Uh, uh, so, you're better off scavenging supplements from the earlier editions. There's tons of good stuff to mine. Just treat any actual rules within with the skepticism that you would treat a third-party D&D prestige class. With extreme prejudice. Terminate with extreme prejudice. That's That's a good right. point. Yeah. The, the rules in earlier editions of vampires is they're shaky at times. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. The latest rules revisions made for V20 are good enough... And those who prefer the sleeker system of the new world of darkness might want to check out the translation guide instead. And there's a link to the translation guide on Drive-Thru RPG. Basically what the translation guide does is it lets you run old world of darkness clans and powers and disciplines and shit in the new world of darkness. Oh, so I'm so glad. I thought it was going to like take it from English to Romanian. It I'm totally like, does. I really don't want to be having to... That shows you how to play um, Vampire the Masquerade in this voice. In this so voice. you speak like <laughs> this all of the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, TLDR, V20 in the backlog alone will last a lifetime. There's no need to reinvest in the, coming, in the upcoming fourth ad. I don't know about that. 
Finally, come on, get that vampire let's play going. What's that? I don't. I think he might mean actual, actual play. play. Oh, okay. I'm curious about how it'll turn out, since it seems most of you haven't had much experience with the setting. Harumph, I say. And I thoroughly enjoy listening to the fresh perspectives and ideas new players bring to the table. He said most. He's saying most. He did say most. You're the only one who's who's well, played Tyler. extensively. Tyler's Tyler. not in the game. Yeah, that's true. He's not. Um, Gina's played a fair bit. Gina, I, yeah, Gina's played a lot of Vampire 2. Uh, from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair uh, bit. It's like a palette cleaner and a great resource for my own gaming. TLDR, I want, no, need, that vampire actual play. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Well, we have, we're going to do character creation next Sunday. Is that is that going to be recorded? Actual play style and stuff? That seems awfully boring to record. It's going to be a lot of silence when people are like looking stuff up and trying to figure out. I wasn't specifically referring to character creation. I meant the game in Yeah, general. oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah, I record everything I play now, if I can. Right. I would like to be able to record con games, but... I've, I've done noise. it. Way much. How did it come out? It, it, it came out in, really good. In a room with other tables playing? No. Okay, that's the difference. I, I was in I was in the sound rooms. Those are gone. Those are Although, gone. At least... They have done away with my sound rooms. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm going to try it and see how it comes out at right. con. Okay. We'll see. They may not be usable, but... Yeah, I, I would imagine, especially, I mean, with condenser mics, it's going to be real hard to... When you when you sound treat, it's going to be very difficult to not have other conversations be very audio, audible. Yeah. I, I think that think so. is true, particularly um, when other tables get boisterous. Yeah. What about if you brought mics like this and set them up on your con table? So that every player just these has a are condensers. This would, this would be just as bad. These mics are very sensitive. If I turn yeah. this mic off, it cries. You can still hear me in your headphones. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Okay. I see. I thought they were um, like totally direct. The other thing is yeah. that putting mics uh, like this well, in the front of every player is going to be very distracting for them. Yes. Well, that's They'll true. Be bumping that's it, true. And hitting it. It might even feed back, depending on the size of the table. <laughs> that's it. Thanks for the shows. Take a bow and drink, preferably in that order I have tea I just finished my third latte soda gotta go write a scene <laughs> it's, it's decaf non-fat lattes oh my gosh uh, why bother <laughs> it, I like the taste fair enough best wishes Linus P.S. <laughs> your Swedish accent suck that's stork <laughs> no, because you, somebody did orky borky deeky burk last night. No, that's a good accent. That's the Swedish <laughs> chef, man. That's don't, almost as good as don't, my Don't fuck with the Swedish don't, chef, Don't mess with the Swedish chef. <laughs> uh, for those inclined to improve on their lingual stereotyping, I recommend studying Michael Nyquist when he forgets to speak with a bad Russian accent in John Wick. I haven't seen that. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Was it good? Yeah. Excellent. Uh, John he, Wick is the guy that wrote... Uh, Yes. One of the original writers of L5R. L5R, <laughs> and he's got a couple other games like, out there as well. He does. It's different John Wick. Different John Wick. <laughs> he actually he was at the last con we were at, and I almost yeah. went up and said, I loved your movie, man. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm yeah, sure he would have just gone for his list. Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, John Wick, the game designer, uh, does some really interesting stuff. Um, he, I've got a... Uh, actually, I bought for Gina a, a Japanese based game that he he did that we haven't gotten to play yet oh uh blood and honor yes and I've, I've got that too it's in the bathroom i backed a kickstarter it's called called wield where you play the actual magic weapon 
And so he made this little game where you play really? the magical weapon and you're being wielded by somebody. Okay. So. Huh. But uh, the, his his um, Blood and Honor is kind of a fate-ish. Yeah. More, it, it's That's what I've heard. Feudal yeah. Japan. It's not a fantasy... Um, fantasy with samurais. It's feudal Japan. Yeah. But you you generate your 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 daimyo and their holdings and and all that stuff, and then it all kind of spread. It's it looks fascinating. It looks I've fascinating. heard you say that word over and over and over again because of your L five R's game. Daimyo? I have no idea what a daimyo is. It's a, it's like a Japanese lord. version of a lord. Lord. Oh, okay. He, he's it's the your liege. He's yeah. the guy okay. who actually owns in quotation marks the land. Ah, okay, okay, and it's a lot higher up than the Niccolo. I said, but um, Niccolo, <laughs> but um, okay. Thank you. There it is. Uh, P P S. Just flew in from the coast, and boy, are his arms tired. Uh, boy, are his arms tired. <laughs> <laughs> I had to uh, leave them at the. I couldn't get through the gate with the arms. I had to leave them. Yeah. <laughs> he missed us all while he was there, but next time he's going to aim better. higher. <laughs> <laughs> PPS, haha! You said PP. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the email, Linus. Okay. Um, not being a DM player, and the time I made my players bleed from the ears. From Carlin. Hello, Stu and the Jackernauts. Ta da! Uh, I heard they're playing Coachella next year. <laughs> wow, this is long. Yes, uh, it is. Kind of. It's like eight. I have been pages. working my way through season ten. I have been working my way through seasons 10 through 12 at work, and thanks to you wonderful people, it has kept my mundane data entry job upbeat and positive. Thanks for that, and keep on jacking. I, I'd like to say we actually have a lot of data entry people that listen to the show. Uh, yeah. It seems like it's a per, there's a predominant amount of people that During do that. During data entry and, dr and long commutes yep. seems to be long our commutes, prime listening... Yeah. After listening for so long, I felt it was time to chime in and drop a line about something that has been eating at me for a while. Uh, this is a sort of this is sort of long, so please edit as much as you want. I didn't. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, you see, I have been mo I have mostly been a career DM since my early days of gaming, due to either a lack of groups playing the games I would like to try or play, or the group of people I'm hitched with turns me off from playing with them by either being I kick the door munchkins or monkey wrench throwers from session one. I've gotten to play, sure, but not as much as I'd like. Now that I'm in my 30s, oh you're so old, I'm finally able to play with a cool group of friends and am currently playing my dream character of 80s Bill Paxton from Weird Science, <laughs> taking on the horrors of Cthulhu in a Savage Worlds Agents of Oblivion campaign. Everything is going great. Well, I sounds like fun. Bill Paxton was in Weird Science. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I completely didn't even remember that. I just remember from Aliens. I'm, game I'm, over, man. Game over, man. Because you have been keeping up with current events. We just got our asses kicked. Yeah. Bill Paxton was game over, man? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I can't, I can't make <laughs> that connection in my head. Okay. It's it's right there? Yeah. Oh, no way. <laughs> I, I w The whole time I was watching uh, Twister, I was waiting for the line. I know. I was just yeah, waiting for it. Game over, man. We just got our asses kicked by a Twister. Yep. Uh, that is until my GM side starts squawking in the back of my mind. Every time the GM does something that I wouldn't do if I were running the game. Oh man, I'd totally give a plus two to that action for it being so awesome. 
Why are you shutting down the player for suggesting something awesome? That player just totally played their character flaw wonderfully, and you're not going to give them a Benny because you think you've given them too many this session? What? Uh, to name a few thoughts that I've had recently. The thing is, I know that this is not my game, and I'm not running it. I should relax, take in the sights, and have fun. But the little GM in my head keeps arbitrating, and I keep getting passively frustrated for no reason at all. It hasn't impacted the game. I, I'm going to disagree with you there. And by the end of the session, I'm able to collect my thoughts and <coughs> give a little input to the GM. But it happens almost every session where I have an internal gripe about something totally out of my control. My question is this. When you're a GM for so long that your GM sixth sense is always on, how do you shut off and enjoy other people's games as a player without exploding? Am I being too sensitive and should stop worrying? Either way, take a drink. And we're going to stop there because Tim has his hand up. Um, yeah, you're being too sensitive and just stop worrying. Yep. Just uh, shut it off and play the game and have fun. Yeah. Immerse yourself, pour yourself into your character. That's Worry about your character. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah. It's really hard to do, guys. I no, I, it I, is, I find myself doing the same thing, and it's it's really hard. It's like, especially when you know it's the spotlight isn't on you, and you're actually listening to the game as it's going. I'm like, your GM starts going, "Wow, I would have done that differently," or maybe this and this, or you're trying to like, "Oh, wait, now I'm meta gaming because I can see where he's going." Ugh. It's really hard to turn that off. Let it go. Just let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go, man. Just. I'm one with the wind and snow. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like a leaf on the wind. Here, there you are, in the light of day. <laughs> Let the storm rage on. Stop now, stop now, anyway. please. Stop now, please. Stop now, please. It's been please. a long time since I've heard someone break out in song for that thing. Oh, it's you been, don't, you don't live been, with a bunch of girls. Yes, I do. Uh, every day, somebody's singing it in my house. Even the cat started singing it. What? What? What is that? Let it, it go, it, let it go. Ah! Let it down with the wind. That's it's from Frozen. Really? Frozen. Oh, it's from Frozen. I have made it my life's goal to not see anything related to Frozen. Oh, it's, fan it's fantastic movie. That's what I've heard, but it's it was fantastic. just shoved down every and orifice God, for so some long. some of the songs. I mean, that, that song, that's the big one everyone talks about, but the, the, the moose... I, I, I like m m m yeah. mooses better than people. That yeah. song is freaking hysterical. Eventually, I will wax my mustache and put on my skinny jeans, and I will watch Frozen when everyone else is over it. I think that's already happened. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much already happened. I don't know. They still have big Frozen things at Disneyland, and we, well, they'll have big things. Of course Disneyland. they do. It's of Disney. They do. They'll have because they have a years. movie with two princesses in it. Oh, that's true. That's why, <laughs> right? Because you know. One princess, good. Two princesses, better. Right. Yeah. Disneyland, it, they have an obligation to keep all that stuff alive. The only one that they don't ever do is Song of the South. That's you're not going to see anything from <laughs> <in> that. <laughs> then I, then I do. why is that story? Then why are they no longer pushing Tron? <laughs> although, <laughs> although they still Tron have some of the a, characters from Song of the South, and the I had to explain office. who Brer Bear was to to Emily when she was really oh, young. once. reject that reality and replace it with one of my own, where Tron was a screaming success. I, I you know. They also don't have Treasure Planet either, which is also um, very good. I, I do want to go back to his email for a minute um, because he makes the assertion that it doesn't, it hasn't impacted the game. Sure I disagree. Has. I it too. absolutely has impacted the game because it's impacting you as yep. a player and you are playing in the game. And that in turn is going to impact the other players around the table because your 
your mental state when you are playing is going to impact the other people. You can't help it. I'm not saying it's dis- it's destroyed the game or ruined the game, but it has impacted the game. Jeb, I, I hate to be a me too kind of guy, but I fully agree with you. If this guy's sitting there and he's going, wow, I totally would have done that differently. Wow, I totally would have given out a Benny. Then he's not playing his character. He's right. thinking about how he would have run this game. And regardless of how well you, 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 you manage that, Mm-hmm. Little ticks are going to show up on your face, and people are going to see that when all of a sudden you go quiet and you're you're kind of a little bit out of the game, a little bit. Right? Yeah, people are totally going to see that. So, focus on your character. Mm-hmm. Think about what. Worry about what your character is going to do and what your character would do. Mm-hmm. I know you you make a you make a medic or you make a little subplot out of it. Every time you start thinking about GMing, you take a take a drink. My suggestion, <laughs> instead of looking at it as what is this guy doing differently than I'm doing that I don't like? Get off your fucking high horse and look at the stuff he's doing that's better than what you do. Right. Because there might be some GMing techniques that he does that are different than yours that you might actually learn something from. Yep. Every time I've sat down at someone else's table when they were GMing, it is kind of hard to get out of that mindset. It is. But... If you can concentrate more on what can I learn from this person who's GMing, I think you will end up becoming a better GM mm-hmm. because you can start looking at how other players, how what is this guy's narrative technique like, or this girl's narrative technique like, you know, how how does how are they how are they handling you know the party splits and and stuff like that? Is there is there something they're doing there that I can learn from? If you if you can't get out of that mindset, at least make it constructive, because I'm sure you're not the perfect GM, and that even neophyte. I mean, of course, there are awful GMs out there, but assu- yes, assuming you're not dealing with an awful GM, there's probably something there that you can glean to bring back to your own own game. Even yeah. if they're awful, concentrate on the positive, motherfucker. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Preach I, it. Wow, I, I learn something in every game that I play in. Every yeah. game. I learned something. I learned stuff from you. Jib, I'm pointing at Jib for those who are listening. Uh, I learned things that when I've I've played yeah. in, in Stork's uh, playtest. I actually I f- like to not be involved in a game and sit back and watch. I, I can't remember. I, I enjoy that. I think it might that's have been. Actually, that's a great way to, in a very undistracted way, totally glean a GM's technique is to watch it from that perspective, because in that way you're seeing it top-down God view, yeah. rather than as a player. Yep. Oh, it, yeah. It, it, I, I don't mind people watching me GM either, but there is something, if you're going to go to a con, it's that you could also do that. You could just like audit the game and watch it and see you know if you want to learn it or see if it's something you want to be interested in. Also just, but yeah. ask the GM and ask the players if they're okay with you just hanging out. And don't Ask questions, you know, make it a list or whatever, but just, yeah, yeah I don't actually, that's a great way to learn is to watch somebody else run a game. Yep. And now, because you always get gaming horror stories, I present to you my humble gaming origin story, which, <laughs> which I feel is worth sharing. Back in the early years, when I was a wee lad of 10 or 11, I became very interested in my brother's late-night hobby of Vampire the Masquerade. Hold on, hold on. 
I'm detecting a theme to this episode now. I think so. <laughs> have, have you figured out my whole plan, my whole <laughs> overall evil plan with the podcast? No. Because <laughs> see, you've got D and D players who listen to D and D podcasts, uh-huh. and you've got you've got uh, vampire players who listen to vampire, vampire podcasts, podcast. and you've got Savage Worlds players who listen to Savage Worlds podcast. So every like year or so, switch over to something else. It's not year. It's like every three months. It, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every three months. So, so we're the Gamer ADD podcast. Yes, uh, but I want all of the listeners. Which <laughs> 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 can do it methodically. So, so it's a Pokemon I'm podcast. Trying to catch Gotta, gotta, gotta catch them all. all. Gotta yeah. catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> My brother, being much older than me, gladly explained what role-playing was all about, and even let me borrow his core book to read over if I was interested. However... As everyone with kids can tell you, a child around that age has the attention span of a golf cart, <laughs> and the core book collected dust on my computer chair for about a month. When my brother came to collect the book, clearly a little disappointed that I didn't even crack the pages, I expressed that, no, no, I really wanted, I really do want to learn how to play, and begged for him to play a game with me. He eventually relented and compromised by showing me what I can only vaguely remember was a kind, turning the page, of mech warrior style game with giant mech robots that the characters piloted with huge guns. You need a comma there. And a dystopian war torn galaxy. Being a kid who wanted to be the biggest and no, baddest that would pilot. Be a co- that would be a comma splice, wouldn't it? If you put a comma there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. But. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm it's s- not piloted with huge guns. See, you've, you, your pages are lining up differently, so I'm not sure where you are now. I'm right here. Mech warrior style game with giant mech robots that the characters piloted with huge guns, and a dystopian war torn galaxy. So they piloted well, their ships with huge guns and dystopian war torn. Exactly. Yeah, maybe, maybe they were. Maybe the dystopian war torn uh, gallery so. was piloting. Maybe so. Maybe that was helping pilot. Maybe so. Be- <coughs> Being a kid who wanted to be the biggest and baddest pilot ever convinced my brother to let me pilot a mech with several small machine guns and one big cannon. I mean, the cannon itself was twice the length of the mech body and had a girth Ron Jeremy dreams of. Okay, why does a 10-year-old child know about this? I just It's not a 10-year-old I, anymore. You're right, you're right. <laughs> and Because I was- of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but they- because <laughs> And I was living... That dream at the age of 11. Now my brother was accommodating, to say the least. Setting up the setting, introducing a few NPCs, directing me towards the contact for my job without too much railroading. The trouble came when I came to the building with the contact in it. Brother, you're in front of the building where he lives. A rusting metal door with several buttons with names on them stands before you. Young me, I knock on the door. B, you knock nothing happens. Young me. I kick the door and yell the man's name. B. Roll. You kick the door so hard it falls over, but as you do, a shimmering force field blips on before you. Young me. Oh! I jump over the force field before it turns on fully. B. That's not how... (sighs) Roll. You jump into the force field and make it to the other side, but not without taking second-degree burns from jumping into lasers! Yeah, I was probably my brother's youngest gaming nightmare. But things got worse for him 
but more awesome for me. As I traveled to the town the NPC wanted me to go to, I got into combat with some other mechs, who I made quick work of with my supersonic dick cannon. <laughs> Without them even getting into radar range of me, I felt great! My first kill. However, when I made it to the town I was supposed to go to, all the townspeople surrounded my mech and started throwing trash at the armored feet of my mech. Young me, why are they mad at me? I probably saved them. Be brother, when you turn on your speakers and ask them just that question, a man, in a man declares that the mechs you shot were coming to support the town against an incoming attack. Remember the attack? The thing that the NPC sent you here to help fight? Young me. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I told them that I'm sorry and that they shouldn't worry since I'm awesome and I'll still fight. <laughs> Brother, speaking of which, your radar blips and you see four big red mechs running full speed at the town. What do you do? <clears throat> Young me. Easy. I turn my mech and fire my big cannon at them. <clears throat> uh, Brother, glare and... And roll. You pull the trigger on your hyper cannon and blow up the first mech coming at you. But screaming grows loud below you. Young me, why are they screaming? I'm fighting for them. Brother, you turn on your external cameras only to see several people half crushed <laughs> under your mech foot from you turning around and the rest of the townsfolk bleeding from the ears from your cannon's blast. Many of them are on the floor grasping at their heads. You know what? I think you're not quite ready for this. <laughs> I played more with my brother in the future and learned from my mistakes, but I will always remember the day I made an entire town of locals bleed from the ears by firing a cannon and the face of my brother made when I thought the whole thing was hilarious. I was hooked. Sincerely, Carlin of the Hill People. P.S. Stork gets to another beer. <laughs> P.P.S. Drank. Oh, well, he's not drinking beer much anymore. No, once in a while. It's still a little early, isn't it? Oh, it's past noon. I can have a beer. Yeah. Um, one beer? No, i got to drive home. Oh, you, okay. I, I would take a beer. I think there's... <laughs> you want to open the fridge and see if there's anything in there? Yeah. Let me see what's in there. Stu, you want to read the last one, or you want me to do it? Uh, I'll oh, read the last one. It's back to me, right? Yeah. Shock, there's a... What do you want? Do you want to... No, one of those orange ones is well. I, I, I'll make one little comment here that kind of occurred to me, which is that brother was kind of being a little bit of a dick in that he kind of didn't, you know, you had, you had too, way too many consequences. Yeah, I get it, like stepping on the people because you fired at them and stuff. That's sort of, it's still kind of a dick move. It's like, uh, yeah, you kind of should let your little brother just fire the cannon without having to worry about. It. And maybe he's trying to teach him a lesson, but uh. well, you know, we're talking about a teenage brother and an eleven-year-old little brother. You're going to be a dick. It's true. That's You're going to be a dick. And, but I can even know, like in con games, people might do the same thing, and, I, and it would be a dick move for me to go, uh, all right, so all the townspeople that are beneath your mech are now, their ears are bleeding. I'm like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, when you're playing with your little brother, you just kind of got to... It's kind of nobody. That is... Yeah. 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 A little bit. Yeah. And, and you kind of got to not worry about the details like the townspeople How old is his big brother? He said much he's, older. He he's he's didn't actually say how much. He's, but he's a, I'm sure he was a teenager. And it yeah. does say, at the, it does have a happy ending. It says, if everything was hilarious, I was hooked. So Yeah. Oh, that's good. I haven't had it a It couldn't have gone too far. But it just sort of seemed a little, uh, kind of a dick move. You know, where you have un, unintended consequences that affect, like, the way your character is played. Yep. Stu just left it. He took off out of the room. Uh, so so that, that gives me a moment to mention that I haven't had a beer in a number of weeks. And this... What? Sh I know, I know, I know. My, why? why? We're, we're trying sick. to get we're trying to get back on a low carb 
diet oh at my home. God, and I'm I'm failing miserably. I'm failing in every which way possible. Like I've been eating all the carbs that my girlfriend Mary isn't eating, they make it onto my plate and then into my face. Just drink beer and don't eat pasta and bread or anything. You'll be fine. But pasta Probably. and bread are amazing. I they are well. so... And, and tortillas and all the all the things that you can't eat on a low-carb diet are my favorite things in the world to eat. They're but happy. They're, they're so they're happy. Ha- they're, they're happy making. So this, um, this beer is just... Oh, it tastes so good. <laughs> mm. Really need to introduce you to some some real beer. There. Oh no, I love real beer. I just it's I haven't had. Just hasn't had I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it, it's a perfectly acceptable, perfectly good Belgian. Yeah. It's just you know. But it's a Belgian. I'm a <laughs> no. I like Belgians, but it's not a spectacular Belgian. You'll 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 never turn me into an IPA guy. I'll I'm say not. That right I'm now. not an IPA guy. I'm not. An I IPA will guy. drink them, but I'm not an IPA guy. I can get about two drinks before I'm like, ah, oh, this tastes like soap. Um, I'm a a half guy. I love halves. They're gassy. All that wheat. Well, really anything that's anything's wheat based is yeah. going to make you, you know, is going to do that. Yeah. But anyway, we right, digress. Uh, <coughs> new uh, new DM emergency from Ghoul Rots. That's what they call stretching. While Stu is out getting up, that's right. We're vamping. We were stretching. We're vamping. Yes. Mm. Hello, Happy Jacks crew. I'm writing you after finishing the first half of my first campaign session of D and D Fifth Edition. Let me tell you everything I told myself. Let me tell you everything I told myself not to do. I did in Spades. Take a drink. This might get bad. First off, I did a quick session zero with my four players individually. Despite asking for character backstories before the first session, my only my boyfriend, a PC in the party, actually bothered to get me one on time. Others preferred a more Q&A style where they told me some non-cohesive facts about their character's story and made up something on the spot when I found a plot hole in their story. And of course, there is always the one player who waited an hour before the session to put together their character sheet. However, despite this, they also turned out to be one of my greatest assets in the campaign. This is where the fault of the players stops, mostly. Can I can I interject <clears throat> something? Yeah. Quit worrying about getting backstories from your players at the start of a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quit worrying about it. Just don't. If and you it, want this something... Is not, not just for ghoul rots here, but this is for everybody. Just quit worrying about it. You know... Jot down some notes. You know, go ahead, go for that. If you want to write a novel, go ahead, but keep that to yourself because I don't want to see it. But don't worry so much about it. I like getting a paragraph or two. <clears throat> That's about it. If I, I want something, I'm going to ask for it. Oh. It's like, like in the vampire game, who's your sire? I want to tell me about him. Right. What, yeah. what, you know, what, what, were, what was the person like? What was your relationship with them? I want to know this stuff, so I'll ask those questions. Right, and those are things you need to know for game reasons. Yeah. Um, but when it, don't quit worrying about it. A lot of times for me, a character's backstory doesn't even galvanize for a couple of sessions anyway. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've told this story before, so I apologize for people who've heard it. The best character I ever wrote was a character, and I needed a character in like five minutes. And I said, "He's a dwarf fighter." I got a, he's a dwarf that, fighter, yeah. and then but then over the next three or four game sessions, who that dwarf fighter was came into focus. But I had no idea yeah. when I started. You know, relax, don't worry about it. 
Carry on. All right. Uh, next, I give them long exposition on the town. That's a mistake. Uh, the, the word long was wrong. Yeah. And, and even start having NPCs interact with each other. Mistake. Essentially just masturbating. Yes. However, as is often the case, the that only lasted a few minutes, and I turned it back to the players to allow them to explore and interact with people in the town. A few bite on the obvious story hooks. Uh, I all but spell out for them. This is where my next problem comes in. I drop the rails on them. As they go and interact with NPCs, I have events unfold, essentially have the NPCs hurting them in the right direction. When they got to the point where they wanted to do something different than what I had originally planned, they failed a majority of their roles to complete it, i.e. a passive no. Right. Mm. Next, the whole party was split the entire time. Perhaps the golden rule of D&D I broke before we even started. Not only that, but I was so caught up in telling my own story with the NPCs I had created each with their own backstory and motivations, I had completely forgotten to create a situation that ultimately unites the players into a party themselves. Whoops. Oops. Finally, and perhaps the biggest uh, the biggest fault I may have committed, the only combat I had planned was at the very end of the story, of which we stopped right before we began. I recall you saying that many of your own stories and adventures may go, ses go sessions without combat, and I can only presume I was overstepping my bounds believing that I can have a party with the same play style while still being a wet-behind-the-ears GM. I also tried a more open-ended approach, drawing out uh, a map, but not naming the inns and taverns or even the town, and instead electing to let them come up with the names for themselves. This, however, was met with harsh criticisms, and they just uh, ended up calling me a lazy DM. A few of my players enjoyed the role, the role play, uh, when it was their turn to role play. I don't understand when it was someone's turn to role play. Uh, and, and the others just sat on their phones waiting for the action to start, of which it never really did. <laughs> I inserted a few combats, wandering damage, as it were. <laughs> but ultimately, they contributed nothing to the plot or the story. Finally, my I, last point. Uh, yeah. I think what he means by giving them a chance to role play is when he was done dropping rails and, and, and espousing... They, they were able to do a little role-playing. Yeah. I, I, I kind of get the impression that it kind of went like this. So, role-play with Stork. da 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 da, -da. So, role-play with Tim. da 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 da, -da. Mm. So, role-play with Stu. da 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 It's, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, rather than trying to open it up and let it be a... A group of people talking. A group of people talking. Par partially, probably because the party's split is one of the reasons he had that problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea, baby cakes. Just say to the listeners at I, home. I was going to say, if you want to share hey, class? Baby Cake said in the in the chat, Hey, Jib, the RM character I created with you in mind is a dwarven fighter. There you go. Nice. Well played. Excellent. Excellent. And, and a totally accurate choice. Finally, my last point, because you are a dwarven fighter. Because I am. I think uh, of it more of as a gnome. You're really much more mechanically inclined. Sorry, carry on. I don't know. Every time I take one of those online personalities, <laughs> it says you're a dwarf. It fighter. says I'm well, a dwarf those fighter. Those never lie. Yeah, that's got to be right. <laughs> Finally, my last point, which I guess is the entire reason for the long-winded email, the uncooperative player. The player had create the players had created their character. I gave them a dark vision in their session zero and was constantly hitting them over the head with a clue by four, trying to get them to engage with the story somehow. 
But instead, he hand-waved the entire thing, saying it, it was none of their business. The only time they were actively engaged was when I introduced the half-assed combats into the story, and at the end of the first half of the session, their character was getting ready to, to up and leave the town without having discovered or resolved anything. Despite going over their character's traits, ideas, and bonds, trying to make interesting hooks out of them, they stayed unimpressed and uninterested. This is a close friend, so asking them to leave the party or finding a new group is altogether out of... Uh, is altogether... Not my best option. Not my best option. I do plan on asking them what it is they want out of the campaign or what I can do to better engage them in the story. However, as of right now, I have no clue myself how to approach the situation. I understand understand that becoming a better DM means learning from your mistakes, but I fear I may have turned my players off to ever letting me DM for them again. Any advice or kind words of wisdom you have to offer would great uh, would greatly be would be greatly appreciated go ahead take a drink cuz i know i will be taking several after that mess humble listener and loyal follower to happy uh, of the happy jacks army ghoul rots ps trust me it's supposed to smell like that okay um i'm going to go first uh yes you you did in fact make several mistakes but it was your first time things happen deal with it don't worry about it relax the biggest thing I would suggest is actually don't worry so much about story don't worry so much about story and and it's definitely not your story it's a group story when it gets made but it gets made during play it doesn't get made beforehand it gets made during play so relax and don't worry and, and again the other thing is don't try to Think in such big scale. Start small. Little things. You know, they're, if they're new characters, they're probably low level. So, give them something simple to deal with. Oh, look. There are goblins. Probably ought to do something about that. Because that's probably not going to be a good thing for the little town that you're in. It's Bollywogs, Pat. I, I would suggest go to this player and have a conversation with him. And ask him... Just as you said in your email, yeah. what, what are you looking for out of the game? Go to him and say, you know what? I didn't think that session went very well. But I'm not sure exactly what it is I did wrong. What do you think I did wrong? And when you go in and ask someone for feedback like that, be fucking prepared to listen. Yeah. yeah. Nothing yeah. is more annoying than having someone ask you for feedback, and then you end up having an argument. And they yeah. get pissed off because you tell them. Or, or you get pissed off because they tell you. Right. Right. I but, I think, I, but I think the most important thing in this situation is to go and talk to the player and see what he thinks. Obviously, if the guy's disgruntled, he thinks you did something wrong. Find out what it was. It may be a learning experience for you. Don't be afraid. Of it. If the guy's your best friend or a very close friend, you should certainly be able to go and have that conversation with them. So Eat I, the crow. I, I may have missed this in my fear-gasm when we first started reading this email, but... Um, I, I, I'm wondering if maybe this is just like an incompatible group because the thing that sticks to me here is a couple of paragraphs up. Uh, I'm sorry, a couple of paragraphs up, where the author says that they drew the map for the town and was like, "Okay, let's come up with this town. Help me name some taverns, whatever, whatever." And the response is, "This, however, was met with harsh criticism, and they just ended up calling me a lazy DM." 
Now, I don't know, if I was sitting down to run a game and it was the first session and the GM was like, okay, here's the town, what's the name of this tavern? I'd be like, oh, dude, that's the Cock and Balls Tavern. Okay, what's this stable over here? Oh, that's Joe's stable. And Because, to me, that helps me feel like I'm much more involved with the game. But if they're just turning around saying, oh, come on, name the goddamn thing, you lazy-ass GM, that's, uh, I don't know. I've had that circumstance come up. Um, I've told again. I've told this story before, so I apologize. I was running a fate game for some other podcasters, and in the course of the fate game, they're flying in an airship. They get attacked by another airship, and the person who was piloting the airship said, "Are there clouds?" And I said, "Would you like there to be?" This has totally become a thing as a result because. Um, you know, it, it totally deviated from that player's expectation of what would happen when asked, when she asked that question, which was, I would say, yes, there are clouds or no, there are no clouds. Mm. Okay. Um, see, I, I would always just say yes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't ask. I would, yeah. I would just say, are there clouds? Oh yeah. yeah um, I'm sure. Cause obviously she got something in mind. So yeah, there's clouds. Um, why? Why ask the question? Well, in in fate, there's a it, it's a mechanical thing. Bad game. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was thinking with that with that statement there, Tim. The other thing I was thinking with that statement is that he spent so fate. he spent so much time explaining all this stuff ahead of time about the backstories and NPCs and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden bored the shit out there of aren't yeah, and bored the shit out of them. And then all of a sudden, when they get to playing the game, they're like, all right, so we go to the end. What's it called? I don't know. It's like, you just told us 45 minutes worth of crap. About. <laughs> no, I, you bring I up a good that. point. So, so you bring up a good point. You, you chose to spend all your time on stuff that's not important, and then the important stuff. Well, and maybe that okay. right, creation okay. of the town should have happened before the game started. Yes. Okay. Because that's what okay, I'm going to do sure. with the vampire game, is I'm going to have a big piece of grid paper out. I'm going to draw the outline of the island where the players are going to start. And there's I'm going to put some vague areas, but I'm going to want to know, okay... You you own a business in this okay. town. What's the name of the but, business? But you know setting I mean? but doing that world creation is part of Vampire, isn't it? No, no, not well. Not yeah. You can kind of say in some cases it is because a lot of a, a lot of the politics and a lot of the, the 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 games that the kindred play all revolve around manipulating mortal society. Okay, so. You may have a number of. Wow, Jib, you are full of the juices <laughs> I mean, of life. Wow. <laughs> so you may have a lot, a lot of kindred who own, you know, um, mortal businesses or sure. whatever. Like, for instance, in Kindred, the Embrace, the Club Haven, that's owned by the Toreador. I can't remember her name. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. No, no I'm failing in my fan food. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> specifically say in. In V twenty, okay. that this needs to be a collaborative effort. Yeah, okay. no. it's not like okay. Dresden, where like okay. in Dresden, you you build your city. Yeah, and and, and most of the and that's part of the character uh-huh. creation. Most so, of okay. most of vampire games are played in, granted, a, a very dark and uh, um, uh, gothic version of the world today. So my game that I'm starting up is set in Los Angeles. So you can pretty much be like, oh, Los Angeles. Well, there's the Griffith Park Observatory. I have influence in that business. Okay, fine. You you 
have influence in the Griffith Park Observatory. You don't have to come up with it because you know it's already there because it's already there in Los Angeles. Right. You know. See, then this game is at least this game will start on a, a fictitious island off the coast of Southern California, which is totally cool. Yeah. So, because I wanted to basically have a place that was unique. That you should you should call it Catableepus Island. <laughs> No, they call it the uh, what? Are the the moat of sin is what the vampires call it. Yeah, because it's basically like a, 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 it's like a party town, and people go there every weekend, <clears throat> and go drink and tr- drink to oblivion and go go to nightclubs and stuff, and then they get on the cattle boat back home to the to the mainland. My my first kind of like Catalina, but bigger and more like I think I see it kind of more like Vegas. My you, first thought for that was. Um, to play uh, a Nosferatu who was uh, embraced in the 80s and uh, he was a, a, a little dude who walked around saying the plane boss the plane the plane I think you could call it Catalina but it's C-A-T-T-L-E because that's what they call all the humans that they're feeding off of it's the Catalina <laughs> Hey, uh, I actually want to bring it back to the email just briefly, and I say, I don't think we need to give you advice, and here's why. You pointed out all of your mistakes in this email with great clarity. You know exactly what you did wrong. You know exactly where you fucked up, and we don't need to point them out to you. All we were doing when you were reading this email was going, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, you're right. You screwed up. Oh, yeah. So you know what you did wrong. Now you know how to fix it. That's the first step in, in... Admitting you have a Admitting problem. Admitting you have wow. a problem. And not only do you admit you have a problem, you knew exactly where you screwed up. So I think it was a rough first game. I think you're going to do fine after this because you explained what you did wrong. You know it, and I think you're going to fix it. I think talking wow. to the players is going to give them a, a signal that you want them to have a better experience than maybe they think they have. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good... That's and a good oftentimes, we've, we've run into this a lot. We think we've screwed up a game, and when we talk to the players, they're like, oh, no, no, that was all right. You're like, I had no idea. You guys were all staring at me. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know. So, yeah, you, you know you screwed up, and I bet there's some people that didn't have a great time, but I bet that you're being a little harder on yourself. Than you deserve all, to be. We, we all do that. So, Gaming Nightmare... For, to, anyway, thank you for the email. Gaming Nightmare to PC Revenge, Ed from Minnesota. Hello, all you obsessive, compulsive, happy jackers. Yes, that means the person reading this too. Am I OCD? Ed from Minnesota. You see my house, it's a mess. Ed from Minnesota here. Uh, I thought you might enjoy a minor gaming nightmare that I endured about 20 years ago and see if you think my response might be something to suggest to other gamers out there. If you like it, thank you and good luck to everyone out there. If you don't, fuck you and your goat. So, on to the story. Back in high school. Do so. <laughs> you just got the laugh now? What's not working? <laughs> oh, Why is it not working? For CNR. Back in high school, when Shadowrun 2nd Edition was just rearing its too large infant head on a shaky neck, <laughs> we would gather to game on a weekly... Kid! Yeah, head! Just, just a, move! Uh, we would gather to game on a weekly basis. School, junior college, and library were often our targets as we tried to fill our gamer fix. One of our group would try to run on occasion uh, with such plot-driven stories as Aunt Pearl's Jam and Other Pearls of Joy. Uh, That's, by the way, a Pearl Jam reference, I think. right? I I believe so, yes. Yes. Uh, For one particular game, we were instructed to create characters with a 10 million new yen yen, uh, budget and 200 karma points of experience. Holy crap. To me, this translates as at least a 12th level D&D character. Yes, it does. 
At the know-it-all age of 16, I created the ultimate combat monster, a cyber-killer <clears throat> troll that was min-max motherfucker to the nth degree, yeah! plus one! <clears throat> Everyone else created equally powerful characters, and the first game we all sat down to find out what our special forces tasked with protecting a very important muckety-muck whom was having a party on a private island. It was, was it Catalina? Uh, uh, we were given control of security and sat down to have a great game with incredible plans to protect our charge and his guests. About two minutes into planning, we were told that the game was starting now, and despite our protests, things started happening. We established where everyone was on the island and got a general feel for whom was there. We were notified by island security that someone was entering the island airspace without permission. We started to communicate with our radios, and I took an anti-take round to the head. Yeah! Yes! In the first minute of the game, I took an aimed anti-tank round to the head. Now, to show how truly awesome my min-max skills were, I survived the shot. Wow. <laughs> but not the second aimed anti-tank round to the head, which killed my character. Before we had made a minute two into the game. Now, the combat began for everyone else. Wiping away the tears from my eyes, I realized at <laughs> that troll. moment... <laughs> <laughs> I realized at that moment that there was no way to actually win the game. Whatever I did, the GM was going to up the ante and make it unimportant. So I decided at that moment to create Skippy. Skippy was a BTL addict. BTL, better than life, a chip that imposes an artificial reality over that experience by the user, manual or usually used for porn or violence, ex violence experiences <coughs> that the user would not do in his real life, but makes it feel as if they did in real life. He would experience life as a mercenary through BTL chips and live a life of adventure and violence unrealized in his normal 9-to-5 corporate programming job. So... When he was at this incredible party, a mercenary started showing up with real guns. He snapped psychologically and thought it was one of his BTL experiences. Grabbing a submachine gun from a nearby dead security guard, Skippy charged random people with guns, firing madly as he had no weapon skill. The GM didn't know what to do. Skippy was my player, but not really a combat threat, so he had all the mercenaries ignore Skippy to target the more dangerous PCs scattered around the battlefield. This allowed Skippy to charge, suicidally, <laughs> up to enemies and empty entire clips of ammunition into them. One nice thing about Shadowrun is that quantity does have value over quality, and this allowed Skippy to kill several mercs that were attacking the party. The GM seemed perplexed by Skippy, but was too busy with the rest of the game to focus on getting him killed all proper-like. <laughs> At the end of the night, Skippy had proved himself to be one of the more effective members of the party. Despite having no combat skill whatsoever, he went on to have several more sessions with Skippy surviving all of them despite my attempts to have Skippy die a glorious death. In one instance, Skippy opened fire during negotiations with another shadow-running group, hitting nothing but almost getting everyone else in the party killed. We eventually stopped that particular storyline. It wound up becoming one of the one of my most favorite. We still talk about Skippy on occasion, and I am surprised how fondly everybody remembers him. Maybe it was more than Skippy was a giant middle finger directed to the GM, <laughs> who promptly allowed him to live for several sessions. That makes him so popular. Or maybe it was just that he didn't have any combat skills, but started... Uh, every combat after the first. I'm not really sure, but I can say that he was one of the most fun characters I've ever run in a long time of gaming. So, what do you think? Is the Skippy Route a viable solution for dealing with a dick GM? I'm not sure, but I can say it did a lot of good for my soul. 
I hope you liked the story. It was done three beers and six shots in, so please pardon any grammatical errors. That's nine <laughs> drinks. Sobriety. If you like this, I can also share a story about my Rift's character that was rolled straight. Totally honest, in front of my brother as GM. 3d6 stats, eight rolls, straight down. No roll above an eight. Seven rolls, a seven. I qualified for exactly two classes, and it was a total blast. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like my last Traveler character, not the last, the one before Trig, which was just, he couldn't really do much of anything. Right. And yeah. <laughs> Except uh, betray the party. And fuck us. Yeah. Fuck us. <laughs> was, was, so, he the, was he the one that was hang psionic? Out? No, that was no. another one. So when you hang out with thieves, uh, what was it, lay down with thieves, you wake up with fleas, something like that. Um, so have a good night, or day if you must, and drink up. I'm six shots and three bears in. Where are you? Love the show, even if I haven't watched in person. Too afraid of seeing Stu topless. So I, are, I always so wear a we. shirt. So are we. Yeah, be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> Ed from Minnesota. No, 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 no. <laughs> P.S. I ran GURPS, and Stu didn't even bother showing up. What the fuck? What? Um, yeah! I think he explains it. But yeah! I'm playing or running a Cthulhu game for next JackerCon. You are all invited to play, and I'm going to have to work hard to top the eyeball game Stu ran. If you guys plan to attend, I will do my best. If not, I will do better. PPPS, I can't believe you've forgotten the I am Stu sign idea for Gen Con. I mean, you act like you actually have a life outside of podcasting. What gives? What? Really? Okay. Uh, I think he ran a GURPS game probably for JackerCon. Oh, I okay. believe this last JackerCon we were... Uh, well, for part of it we were at San Luis Obispo. Yes. And that was my birthday weekend too. Which yes. is why they hold it there. Yeah, JackerCon befuddles me. Why? I don't understand how it works. I want to get involved and do things, but it seems like... RSVP for games and people will schedule how how on, on, uh, how they schedule Google Hangouts. There's a group. There's a there's a there's a, group. a, there's a G plus I, group. Are you? I'm in it. Yes, and and I get all of these game invitations. There's there's a website but, that DT Pints run, maintains. Okay, where you they put up the games and you can go sign up, or if you want to put up a game, you go schedule one. So and there so, so is there is another site that you have to go yes. to to schedule the does games. Does he do it through Con Planner? I believe so, yes. It does, okay. Oh, yeah. that's why. He does that's it through Con Planner. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I ran a game for the first JackerCon, um, but I just, I have, n time has not allowed me to to take part in the later ones, but it's very cool. It's a lot of fun. Every single JackerCon since I've been involved with the show, which, incidentally, next week's show, 1508, is my uh, one season anniversary with Happy Jacks. Oh, Really, you count this stuff? Uh, I don't even remember my wife's birthday, and you remember this stuff? I, I, I probably couldn't tell you a number of birthdays that I should remember, <laughs> but I know my first Happy Jacks right. episode. That's what's important. <laughs> All right, you got to get your priorities straight. That's um, important. But yeah, I've, I've wanted to get involved with the last two Jacker Cons, but it always seems like, yeah, I'm totally going to do it, I'm totally going to do it, I'm totally going to do it. Oh, shit, it's done. What the hell? How did that happen? Yeah. I wonder if we could, maybe can, I can help DT Pints and maybe create a place where that stuff can get done I, I, i'll talk to him and there's see a whole means. section on the forums for it right but i'm talking about like a like a landing page you can go to to find out everything about it see that yeah. would be helpful right because i could i could i could totally put that on the site that's that problem. would be amazingly helpful i'll talk to him about that and what kind of maybe we can uh, incorporate it i'll give him access to it so we can put links to the games when the games happen and stuff like that just so you have a place to go I think the very first time I had a, like a lobby. I set up like a lobby that had like a chat room in it. Yeah. And people like if you had if you had a game you could and you had space you could go into that chat room 
and say, hey, I've got space in this game. If you want to be in it, let me know. And then you put the link, and they click on it and go right to it. That would be awesome. Because I think, I think that's what's missing, is there's no, at, at least that I'm aware of yet, there's no central right place. Yeah. Well, I think the, the true beauty of JackerCon is it's totally listener-driven. Yeah. yeah. The whole yeah. thing. It's totally listener-driven. Yeah, it makes it uh, real easy for me. Yeah, and well, yeah, and and I think it gives it more. Honestly, I think it gives it more punch than if we were the ones doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. By the way, Jack's army has that ever been said before? It was in that email a minute ago. I don't know because you totally need to get shirts done with Jack's army, but the Jacks is done in lettering like Kiss used, like the Kiss army. Maybe the Jack's army. That'd be I'm rad. Jack's venting spleen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, our followers could be the Happy Jack Booted Thugs. They totally could. That's the people who listen to both shows. Ah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I'll <laughs> 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 for a chopper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we call it? Sure. It. All right. Done. That is the one world we cannot abide. <laughs> We're listeners of Thank you for joining us for season 15, episode 7. 7? 7 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Tim. This is Stork. This is still Jeb. And don't forget to join us live on Saturdays or Fridays, whenever the schedule says. Happy Jacks RPG Slash Live. And we'll see you at the convention on the... 4th to 7th of September at the LAX Hilton Hotel. Yeah! Or B-Square. We'll leave you with a song. Tim Finnegan lived in Walkham Street, a gentle Irishman, mighty odd. He'd a beautiful broke, both rich and sweet, and her eyes in the world, he carried the heart. Tim had a sword, never kept a little way, with the love for the liquor for Tim was born. Send him on his way each day, he'd a drop for the creator every morn. What for your daughter, then steer partner round the boy, and try to shake. Wasn't it the truth, I tell you, lots of fun at Finnegan's way. Hey! Morning, Tim felt rather full, his head felt heavy and it made him shake. He fell off the ladder and broke his skull, they carried him home, his corpse awake. They wrapped him up. In a nice clean sheet and laid him out upon the bed with a bucket of whiskey at his feet and a barrel of porter at his head. Work for your honor, that's your partner around the floor, you try to shake. Wasn't it the truth? I tell you, lots of fun at Finnegan's wake. Hey! Friends assembled at the wake and the wit of Finnegan called for lunch. First they brought out hay and cakes, then pipes, tobacco, and whiskey punch. Biddy McGuire began to cry, such a lovely corpse did you ever see. Tim aboard, he'd wide you die. Would you hold your gobs, says Molly McGee? Work for your honor, that's your partner. Around the floor, you trotter shake. Wasn't it the truth? I tell you, lots of fun at Finnegan's Wake. Hey! Mary Murph takes up the job, and Biddy says she, you're wrong, I'm sure. Biddy fetched her a belt in the golf that left her sprawling on the floor. Then the ward is soon engaged, was woman to woman and man to man. Shalalay Law was all the rage, and a row and eruption soon began. Work for your honor, 
The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.